What's going on, everybody? I hope you're enjoying our YTG Global Podcast. This couldn't be possible without Anchor, which is by far the easiest way to make or produce a podcast. Why do you ask? Hmm. Simple. Because they're free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Two, one, and we're live. Back at it again, finally. Which one? Am I looking at this one right here? Okay, that's all part of the podcast, too. Hey, don't edit anything out. Keep it, keep it here. Keep it here. I like it. I'm looking right at the camera. Once again, I'm your boy Rick. Here again without my man Pat. Which one are you looking at? Looking at this one right here. We need lights on top of the cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get a fucking arrow and send it on point it to you. I'm your boy Rick. Back at it again. Got my other host with me for the first time. Mac, how you feeling? What's going on? What's going on? Now, nah, don't tell me what's going on. What's going on with you? Man, tell me something. Shit. Uh, life, titties, you know. Okay. Same time, every day, man. What kind of titties you been looking at? Every kind. The best kind. Big. Flat chest? Come on. I ain't looking at no dudes. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just asking the question. Hey, man, I'm not a hater of any uh, any kind of titties whatsoever. But okay, okay, okay. I like that friendly <laughs> banded back and forth. <laughs> now, before we really begin today, we got our first interview here, and today is a day of truth. When I leave here today, I want to get followed to my car. I want to get threatening calls. I want someone to drive past my kid's school. I want something crazy to happen because I, what I've been told here today is something just completely off the wall and something so true that the man cannot have that. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Mufon? Please introduce yourself. After you go first, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm Ben Moss. I'm the chief field investigator for the state of Virginia for the Mutual UFO Network. And what I do is assign cases, take cases, work cases. And uh, work with uh, Tony, who's here today, Assistant State Director. But we've been working on um, multiple cases and some cases from the past that are very interesting and are coming out currently in the news because of the Pentagon releases. So uh, Mm. it's interesting how some things old become new again because a focus goes on to what was a very interesting case from the past and talking about Socorro in 64 that even to this day, the government never explained. It was one of the 701 UFO Blue Book cases that is still unknown. Mm. Tony? Hello. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> What's up, Tony? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, baby. I'm Tony and Joel. I'm the Assistant State Director for uh, Virginia, and I work with Ben here. And uh, we're both also star team field investigators, which just means that we just take on a little bit more work than, than the other investigators. But... Uh, We've both been at this for a long time. Since we're in D.C., I want to say that y'all are sitting in a hotbed, a hotbed of UFO activity. You don't even realize. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about 1953 and oh, a few yes, things going please, on. Oh, yes, please, please. 
and we'll get into all this a little bit later. But Ben and I, we uh, I should just mention how we met. We met at a business meeting. Okay. Um, about what three years ago, four years four, ago, four I think, about now. four years ago. Yeah. And I just find a way to talk about ufology somehow. I don't know how. I talk to somebody. I find a way to bring it up, right? And next thing I know, he says to me, well, you know, I'm the chief field investigator of Virginia. And at the time, I was an inactive member because, you know, life got in the way, family, children, this whole kind of understand, thing. Understand, understand. So, uh, so immediately, I was like, man, this dude's cool. You know, he's like, you got to come out to the meetings and this and that. Next thing you know, bam, you know, he helps me out. We, I get to this level. We start doing cases together, and we run into this amazing case we're going to talk about in a little bit here. Like you said, it's from the past, but it's probably one of the most high-profile, uh, most interesting UFO cases of all history that not enough people talk about. So what actually got you started in uh, UFOlogy? Me personally, uh, I was graduating high school, and my computer teacher, for whom I thought was a robot, <laughs> True story. Yeah. Probably taught math. I mean, this dude—he would recharge in this back room. I swear he was plugging in or something, man. He wasn't—he wasn't consuming, hey. you know, like food like we do. Uh, and strangely enough, he comes up to me on the last day of school and he says, "I have this book." He was almost like very cathartic, right? He's like, "I have this book. I think you'll enjoy." Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay. "Damn, what's this going on? What's going on?" I'm like, "Okay, thank you," you know. And I just kind of threw in my card. I'm thinking, oh, this is U of O book, you know, it's like, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is what I was going through my mind. And that's a good movie. Yeah, it was a great movie. We got more, we got some interesting information about that movie as well. Ooh. Just take a note. Uh, but I read that book, and even though it was the wrong book to read, and Ben would enlighten me later on and tell me that this case was actually a fraud. But it was enough to get me to the point where I started reading everything I could about ufology. And what interests me the most are cases that involve police officers, pilots, mm -hmm. military officials, somebody who has something great to lose by coming forth with telling about a personal encounter. That's what interests me the most. And, you know, something we can talk about later as well. Okay. What about you, Ben? What got, what, uh, got you started in this field? Um... I was with my dad sitting in bed. My dad was a physician, a doctor in Richmond, and um, a patient who um, I think my dad had done something free for gifted him with a small TV. And we're talking way a long time ago. I won't say the year, but it was a real small TV. It's about the size <laughs> of a cassette player. And he turns it on, and we're watching a Walter Cronkite special on UFOs. Nice. And you can get it on YouTube. We put it on our site, MoveOnVA.com. But uh, it's it's a kind of a pretty serious investigation of ufology, and they kind of debunk some things. But in watching it, and my dad was kind of a believer, I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I was probably seven or eight at the time. And I got hooked on it, and I'd go. I'm a big comic book geek, so I'd go to the store and buy comics. But if I saw a UFO magazine, I'd grab that too. Mm -hmm. And um, and back then in the day, and if you do a little background search on UFOs, 50s, 60s, 70s, kind of faded in the 70s, but the the press would talk about them. There would be big reports. There's you know headlines that talk about saucers outrunning jets and uh, you know the UFOs over DC in '53 and things like that. So back in the day, they would have military officials come out and talk about UFOs uh, when they this is true. when they interviewed Truman. And it's a very famous video you can find that it, a lot of people don't know exists, but they go, what do you talk about when you have these big cabinet meetings? He goes, well, the first thing we talk about is UFOs. 
And that's amazing that uh, you know the president of the United States would say that. That's the first topic they talk about. And this was in you know the 50s when there was a lot of issues with these things flying over bases and things. So it's funny how they've been able to kind of bury that. But that's one of the most fascinating topics that you can talk about today. If other life is coming here and we can prove it, that's one of the greatest discoveries of mankind. That definitely, definitely would, true. Yeah, that definitely would change everything if you could prove it. And I, I don't feel like today that the reason I want you to have up here is that there's been a lot of things going on in the news. Even as of uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. there's a pilot, I think, um, it was in Arizona? Arizona. Yeah, 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 it was a pilot in Arizona. That, and I was reading that this morning I woke up that he saw something. Then he caught a jet that was, you know, about 15 miles, I think, ahead of him. And it's like 3,000 feet right above him. Yep, yep, that one right there. So with all that being said... Um, Let's get right into it. But before we actually get started, I want you to talk to me more so about uh, MUFON itself and uh, the Two the Stars Academy. Well, um, MUFON started back around 1969, about May 31st, 1969. Um, it was called uh, the Midwestern. Uh, it was the Midwestern UFO, UFO Group. Yeah. Then it became MUFON Mutual UFO Network, which is now the largest of its kind around the world. It's uh, it's got a, a pretty large uh, collection of uh, followers, individuals, participants. Uh, as investigators, we are all volunteers, so we have to, uh, you know, pay for manuals, spend money to travel, uh, do investigations. You know, it's all on our own dime. As as, a, as an investigator with MUFON, you don't get paid for this. So it just shows there's a lot of dedication. You know, there's a lot of this is a very important topic. You know, mm-hmm. something. Every time I speak to an investigator, they all say that the most important thing they can think of is answering this question: is why we're here and what is this all about. And I have to agree. I know, I know that people, there's a stigma about it yeah. where, where people say, hey, you know, there's a bunch of kooks and stuff. There's no way the UFOs exist. And it's like, you know what, man, if you can add one plus one and you do a little bit of math and you learn about the Drake equation, you'll find out that the only answer, Ooh. the only probability is the abundance of life flourishing about the universe and the vastness of the infinite. I feel that for someone to say that we're the only ones here is an idiotic statement. Ignorant. There's Yeah, there's, what, 100 billion galaxies out there? And you think that we're the only living conscious beings alive? That's, that's completely stupid. I, I don't believe that at all. Right. I'm with you 100%. And what's interesting is every year, right, we learn of a new number. Uh, scientists and astrologists, astronomers come out and they say, hey, now the number is, you know, 100 billion. Now it's a trillion now galaxies. The, now the last I heard was possibly two trillion See what I'm saying? Galaxies. The number only goes up. It doesn't go down. And then if you understand <laughs> quantum physics, you could have other dimensional realities. There may be a different vibrational plane where you have another two trillion galaxies. They're just overlaid each other but because they're at different frequencies. You don't see them, but sometimes they bleed over, and maybe that's what ghosts and some of these phenomena are about. It's almost like the Matrix, where there's a glitch in the Matrix. Mm. But if you know quantum physics postulates, I think recently it's... 20 dimensions and so and they say the dimension the the different dimensions might be so small they collapse on each other and they're smaller than your hand but who's to say that our galaxy our universe is not the size of a hand to somebody else in a bigger universe and i believe Michio kaku mentioned that there is uh they, they theorize that a new universe is born every second that's fucking it, crazy. <laughs> so it's two things you said, and I want to ask both of you this question right here. Then I turn over to Mac to start talking because I'm talking way too much. <laughs> you, the Drake Equation, you, the Matrix, the moving, and how it relates to daily life. So I'll let whoever wants to go first, please. We both said a lot. It's both very interesting. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, the Matrix was just, and it was 
the thing that impressed me about the Matrix, and I've watched it like the Avengers, I've watched it probably 25 times, and I always get something new out of it. But the Matrix was just a way to get you to think outside of the box. The greatest thing about the Matrix was that they had this idea that you're living in a simulated program that was fleshed out in such a way that it was so interesting that when they finally broke out of it and realized what reality actually was, it's like, wow, that's just something I didn't even imagine. I didn't even think of that. My brain never worked in that direction. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these things in the paper about, well, scientists say that we're living in an advanced aliens matrix. We're part of a computer program. And even if we are, it kind of doesn't matter if you, you know, if this is all about your personal existence and what you experience and you don't get to know that or never find out, or even if you do, you still got to live your life and be yourself and not worry about these types of things, you know? Mm. Right. Yeah, you still, you still not to cut you off, but you still experience things like hunger, thirst, you know, love, hate. Right. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is uh, I often wonder if you didn't have to worry about going to work every day to make money to pay bills, buy buy your food. If you didn't need to do all that and you just had all the money you needed and you already exhausted uh, hookers and hand grenades and all the other <laughs> things you might do, with it, right? <laughs> you get past all that, you're gonna start asking yourself. What's it all about, you know? And every human being, I think, if they had the, 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 the right, perhaps, uh, you know, uprising culture or mental attitude to say, hey, listen, uh, life is not about, you know, being in the gang uh, and, and, and getting into fights and, and, and forcing your way to the top and, you know, cheating people out of their out of money or climbing the ladder, the proverbial climbing the ladder kind of thing. Keep preaching. You know what I'm saying? If life was more about, hey, how about some peace and love and understanding, mm. and and let's think about why are also why are there so many cultures on this planet? Is it possible we all come from different planets? Is it possible that you know Ooh. every single culture on this planet originates from a different star? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Just to get a little deep on you there. Yeah, you better blow my goddamn mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> right. oh. I already have trouble with this, man. You know what I'm saying? This is what goes through my mind. This has been going through my mind for a long, long time. This is what drives me because I'm a firm believer that this earth is an experiment. We are all being placed here to see if we can get along. And so far we've been failing, but we've also been growing. So I think there's a percentage of the earth's population that has evolved. And there's a percentage that has not involved. And I'm talking about the 1% that are controlling the wars on this planet, not to get off topic. But the fact that there is such a diversity on this planet, it naturally um, breeds war and fighting. And, you know, you look different than me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we can't, we can't agree, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. But there is a large percentage, I believe, out there that does want to work together. I think it's the one percenters that don't. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Because culturally, I think that across the world, we have UFOs in common in every single continent, every single state. There is not a single part on this planet that has not had a UFO, either a cave painting, a person witnessing something, a photograph, this or is a true. story. This is you very true. Mm -hmm. So as a, as, a, as a world, a humanitarian you know, idea, how about ufology? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> God damn. That's deep, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Definitely deep. Man. It's like it's like almost like a this whole universe is or this whole world is like an episode of Black Mirror, like I said earlier. Right. And now <laughs> I'm now I'm, now I'm segueing back into the Drake equation because basically, um, was it Edward Drake? Is his name Edward Drake? Uh, no, it was um, Frank. Frank. Frank Drake. Frank Drake. 
I'm a, I'm a little messed up in my head right now. So <laughs> I'll, 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 everybody listening, please do not you know take every word I'm saying as fact, but let me just prompt you into a certain direction. Check out Frank Drake and the Drake Equation. It's being updated every year. And basically, in a nutshell, what it is is that he postulated that if we as humanity equals one, and you multiply that by the known universe, you know, what is the probability of life? And at first he came up with something ridiculous like 1%, which represented like thousands and thousands of probabilities of other life forms. And each year it would get updated and updated. Now we're somewhere into somewhere. They in, added to the equation. In the millions. Basically it was how many planets have life? How many planets have The Goldilocks zone. Yeah, the Goldilocks zone. Right. I'm familiar with that one. How many lives have consciousness that right. uh, survive to get technology? How many start to travel the stars? How many right. survive their own atomic age? You know, and it goes on and on. And when you factor it in, it a lowball figure was 100 million civilizations right. in our galaxy alone. And here's another idea, too. Whenever you look up at the sky, not all, but many, if not most, stars you see are suns that mm -hmm. have planets you can't see going mm -hmm. around them, This right? is right. And this is how they're discovering so many gold. It could be somebody on that little dot staring back at us going, I wonder... Right. Yeah, when it was out, out there. there yeah. That's fucking crazy. That's the dot the you don't see. Star, though, the dot you don't see, you know what I'm saying? Because you see the sun, mm -hmm. you don't see the planet. And now we're at 13.5 billion years from yeah. the, since the Big Bang or whatever, whatever that event was, you know. What's interesting about that, if you really want to get deep, but I've studied remote hey, go viewing. Deep. Go deep, please. I've done remote viewing. I, I've Pause. actually had Pause. my consciousness separate from my body and do witness events and travel. Are you talking about astral projection? Yeah, astral projection and remote okay. viewing are very similar. Um, but Pause. remote view God, he found that it was a singularity, which was the Big Bang, and it was lonely, and so it exploded to get more life. Loneliness does suck, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, that's um, dude, that's absolutely crazy. How, how did you? So you say you astral projector, you say remote. What was it? Remote viewing. Yeah, it's basically. Um, I I one of the things, several things that fascinate me. I, I my degree is psychology, but I I read a lot. I have a lot of random knowledge about a lot of random things. But I really got into Carlos Castaneda's. Um, books about uh, learning from a shaman in Mexico, which, you know, may be fiction, may not be, but people don't remember these books. In the 70s, he was on the cover of Time magazine. It was the best-selling book in the world, um, Tales of Power and things like this. And I got interested in this type of other consciousness that was the, sh the Toltec religion, the shamans from the old ages, from way back, thousands of years. And it's in every culture that they're wizards or whatever. And, you know, it's not somebody that has special powers. It's somebody that's in touch with consciousness. So anyway, you fast forward to I started getting into reading about remote viewing when that came out. And in college, I learned a very deep transcendental uh, meditation technique that enabled you to center on all the points of your body that are touching the bed, and you do breathing. Basically, you you synchronize your brain into one tone. And then I ran into the I read the Robert Monroe books, Journey Out of Body, where the Faber Institute in Virginia was the place that the government, the twenty-five million dollar remote viewing program, sent their people to learn remote viewing to Faber, Virginia, to learn this thing called Hemisync. Oh, hold a second, hold a second. I got to interrupt you right there. There's a program from the government, $25 million for remote to learn viewing. remote viewing. Yeah. What year? This is the 80s. 80s. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's crazy to have in the 80s. How did, out how, of, uh, right here in Virginia, out of uh, Fort 
not Fort Meade, but uh, oh, in Fort Belvoir. Fort Belvoir, yeah, 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 was Fort the headquarters okay. of the remote viewers. That's right in our backyard. And if you ever yeah, exactly. see, want to see a great movie about it, it's the men who stare at ghosts. Men stare at ghosts. Was it George Clooney? That was right. that was okay. true. If you if you see the the copy that they you know with the extras on it, the guy says people don't realize how much of this movie is actually true. This all happened right. exactly like it's portrayed in the movie. Well, in the eighties, uh, just real quick, uh, they were using remote viewers to find terrorists where they were hold, being held hostage. The Iran hostages were found right. with remote viewers, basically. Right. Holy, you mean the the Iran like nineteen was it Reagan's era? Yeah. That was probably 77 81? or mm-hmm. so. Yeah, no, no, that was Jimmy Carter in 77. Yeah, okay. 80s. 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 And that was found through with remote viewing? Remote viewers, yeah. And I've talked to the number one remote viewer. Um, what happened, this guy, Robert Moreau, wrote these books called Journey Out of the Bodies, and he um, spontaneously left his body his whole life. He knew when he would die. He actually... You know, saw himself in the past as a as a Roman warrior pinned to the ground with a spear through his chest. And there's a lot of books I started reading about uh, reincarnation and things. There was actually a professor at University of Virginia that struck out to to debunk reincarnation and ended up writing a book called Many Lives, Many Masters, where he almost many proved, masters, many lives. Yeah, actually, where he almost yeah. proved reincarnation. Excellent book. Highly recommend that book. But Might anyway, remote, remote viewing is, and I learned this for myself as a fact, and I'm just saying this personally, but I realized that there was my consciousness and my perceptions could detach from my body and go witness events. And remote viewing, you're able to do that without regard to time or space. You can go back in the past, you can go in the future. And I experienced it four separate occasions myself where actually one time I witnessed events and when I told the person who was in those events what happened, they're like, how the hell did you know that? And I'm like, I was near the ceiling, floating near the ceiling. I could still feel my body and my bed. I was bilocated. So I knew I was laying in bed breathing, but at the other hand, the rest of me was floating in this room 10 miles away witnessing these events so let me ask everyone here at this table because you brought up a great point and i just i just want to touch on this one you see you had howard cyrus in the back yeah they're yeah, all about yeah. to come and get you yeah, so we, you didn't want to be safe we, we in dc baby um <laughs> men in black coming for me <laughs> right. You're talking so sometimes so this is what i've heard before about just time in general that time is it's no, it's no such thing as the past present or future that time is linear so Myself, I've had dreams, nothing crazy, you know, maybe myself drinking at a water fountain or myself uh, driving somewhere. And, you know, I wouldn't remember the dream when I wake up. But when I experienced that event weeks later, I'm like, oh, shit, I saw this in a dream. Deja vu? Would that be deja vu? It's like, remember the past, though, like I've been here before. So is there is there a difference between that? I guess, yeah, I guess you could bring a deja vu too and lucid dream. So the dream happened before the event? The dream happened, like, it would be so, it'd be anything crazy. It would be like, you know, like a 9-11 type event. It would be just like, it could be us here just sitting here. And it may be a dream like, oh, I had a dream about this last week. And I only remember it in that moment. Well, if you dream before it happened, that's precognition. So that's seeing a few moments ahead. Okay. Which, you know, if time is more Or just of some a, really good weed. Hey, I'm looking at the camera right now. I am clean. <laughs> if you want to piss test me, come on, baby. Make it happen. Please Time go is on. a human construction, really. I think it's, a, I think it's kind of made up. Um, Construct. Okay. With Einstein's theory mm, that okay. as you approach the speed of light, time slows down to almost nothing. You know, if you left at the speed of light and came back, 100 years might pass and you were gone an hour. I mean, it's... You have this thing called entropy, entropy, where you can see things age. Like if you eat a 
bite of a fruit and set it down, it'll turn brown, it'll start to degrade. That's entropy. So you know things kind of, that, that's what we kind of equate to time. Over time, something ages. We age over time. But I, I'm not sure if that's just not something we invented. You know, time could be this long line that you can step anywhere on it. Well, also the Past, effects, present, the effects of time have to do with the amount of radiation we're absorbing too. If we had more filtration, yeah, well, then we yeah. wouldn't appear. When you start breaking down over. everything into a quantum level of, you know, it's it's really interesting if you understand string theory and things like that. Everything is energy. Every single thing here is energy. It's just in a certain form, a certain vibration. vibration. And so everything you have, this is a cup because your mind's perceiving it as a cup, but it, it's really energy sitting there. But you, you know what What comes to mind when y'all start talking about that, man? Y'all remember that movie, uh, was it Interstellar? Oh, that was, was classic, it, was it, yeah. Was it Matthew McConaughey? Mm. Man, it, it, everything you're talking about, you know, the vibrations, how he was like looking at the bookshelf because his vibrations. They copied everything from It was himself, us. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that movie, man, hit it on the head. And like everything you're talking about, I'm like, this thing, I'm like they were they were on to something. It wasn't. We just actually like, introduced that movie when it when it came out up in Leesburg at the theater. Yeah, we, did you really? Oh yeah. yeah. He got laryngitis and couldn't speak. Man, and I was drunk. I had me. I had me a double <laughs> shot of Tito's and Cran. Right? Hey, shout out to that. <laughs> That's some good shit. Listen, man, it was messed up. It was messed. I drank the drink and I said. Hey, I can't speak. Hey, any more of your events you have, please give us an invite. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'll be yeah, sure. happy to come out there. For man. real. That'd be great. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We do presentations and things at conferences, so we'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's hold a second. We have a great point going on here. Going back. I don't want to ever interrupt you from there. Oh, that was it, man. The interstellar <laughs> part. Yeah, I was. Just, okay. I was so this one. <laughs> so this one I asked right here. Does our Earth move at a certain vibration? Absolutely. Everything does. So. A vibration can that be also seen as like a frequency, like a radio station? Yeah, everything's a frequency. Yeah, everything's a frequency. Um, you know, radio station frequencies are probably a little bit, a little bit lower. You know, you got your different bands. You know, so I'm using that as an example because I'm trying to get but to the it. Earth. The Earth vibration, like what okay. you're saying, though, yeah, yeah. is much lower. It's almost like a, almost like sub, it's like a sub sub levels, like oh. just very, very low resonance. It depends on how you're measuring it. The 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 solar system is traveling through space at like I think it's a half a million miles an hour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so and, and, fast. and then we have planets rotating about a sun, but the whole thing is speeding through space. All the planets and got vibrations. I read a, a really interesting book where you know because we have a magnetic core, there's probably frequencies that we don't hear, but the planets as they rotate around and get close to each other, on some level they might the sing, sing to each other. Yeah, the pitches change. You know, and they 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 know each is there. And you get to this there's this thing I can't remember what the term is, but there's this thing that says the earth is a living organism. Ooh. And so if you think about it, I think it's Gaia. Right. Not to be confused with that right. horrible website. Oh. But uh <laughs> but it's uh, you know, it's that the earth is a living like organism which makes sense yeah. because it kinda has a heart, which is the mantle, it has these things growing on, it produces all life and then the earth the, it's kind of interesting to think that the planets as they revolve kind of like call out and sing to each other. You know what they're saying out. when they're passing each other? I got these bastards, these humans living <laughs> yeah. on me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do y'all get rid of these things? Hey, Mar hey Mars, crust. you want them? <laughs> and Jupiter's like, Jupiter's like, why do you think I got so much lava on here, man? I just melted all them fools a long time ago. <laughs> so I like where we're going now right now, talking about the planets. Um, actually, no, no, I want to finish my last thoughts. Guys, I was getting somewhere. So if we're operating at a very low frequency right now, is it possible for somebody to tune that frequency and come across a different Earth? Well, it's interesting because I think that's how a lot of um, 
either psychics or um, parasite mediums, know, mediums, the people that can actually see and talk to ghosts and things like this. You know, mm. they have, you know, their brains like an antenna. He's got a little bit more receptor than I do, of course. You know, he's been remote viewing. He's been pretty, pretty in tune to these things, right? I'm pretty, I'm pretty dull to them, but uh, I understand what's going on. And whenever I speak to people, and I know a lot, I have a lot of friends that communicate with ghosts and things like this. And it's kind of weird because they have a certain energy about them. You can kind of feel it. You can feel that there's something different about those people. And uh, I don't doubt it one bit. No, we, we I, did I don't. The ghost huh? Them omens. <laughs> oh, oh, Mac, tell your omen story. Why are we here? Oh, shoot. You really want to hear that one? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Ooh, sounds scary. Uh, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not scary, man. It was just, um, I, I, I don't know where it started from, but like I had these dreams before, like when I was younger. And, um. It was like to the point where like um, it would always have my friends, anybody's having babies or whatnot, and it would tell me like who what they're having. Like I'm thinking to myself like it's a fifty fifty chance. You can't get that wrong. I mean like you can you, you can get lucky sometimes. Unless you can predict the hermaphrodite, and then that'd be special. <laughs> it has both. <laughs> they'd be like, they had a baby crazy. Ex. Hey baby girl, I get wet and hard. <laughs> <laughs> Take your pick. This is messed up. But like, um, I went on a streak, man. I don't, I don't even know what to call it, man. This is like all the way up until about 2013, 2014. When we leave Oklahoma, 2016. Mm. Man, this is the whole anybody having kids, man. I can go ahead and tell them, hey, dude, no, dude, you're, this is what you're having, and it was it was like surefire a way to go. That's it. You and can put money on it. I, I would put. I'd put my own kids on it. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I guess both his kids. <laughs> But who else? It was a lot of people were in Oklahoma asking, you know, you know who, who, who do you think I'm going to have? Yeah, yeah, people come ask you about it. And then I was never wrong. It was all it, don't have those dreams anymore, man. I think the alcohol got to me, but yeah. um, <laughs> it, it sings a different song. It's more like um, what's happening on Call of Duty and why is this kid saying my mom was with him last night? Mm. <laughs> um, it, it's it, so the story, man, it's just a lot of like the dreams were just like really vivid. It'd be pointing point straight out, like, oh, yeah. It wouldn't say to say Ricky, but it has like things that had to do with Ricky about it. It's hard to explain, man. And then that's why I don't. I feel like I don't. I don't right. get those dreams. Dreams anymore. are weird. It's almost like a third dimension you go into. It's crazy. And the more I've studied dreams, you know, beyond what Freud said and things like that, the more interesting it becomes. Because um, one of the things that I found fascinating about, uh, and I tried it, was when I read Carlos Castaneda's books. He said that they got their power from dreaming where they could actually wake up in their dreams and perform feats. And so he said the key to that was when you start dreaming, zoom in on your hands and start looking at your fingers and hold them up in front of your face. And that way you can hold the dream and not just go into a dream or a lucid dream. But every time you start to get in, you know, the dream slips, pull your hands in front of your face, look at it. It's so hard to do that. And even the author of the book said it took him two years to do that. And I found one time I got to look at my hands in my dream and I got so fascinated with leaping 40 to 50 feet and flying that I forgot that, that I could do other things. Because every time I have lucid dreaming or travel out of body, I get into flying. And it distracts me from the fact that I can probably go anywhere and witness events, but I like flying in my dreams. It's kind of like in the pool when you can jump off the bottom and kind of, you know, it's this feeling of weightlessness. It's really cool. But I'm losing, you know, I'm not focusing right. on what I should be focusing on if I'm actually traveling out of the body. You know, what's interesting about that is that Nikola Tesla, George Washington, 
Einstein, all these amazing people in history had similar yeah. uh, kinds of uh, stories to tell. Voices, kind of. And they would use the terminology, dreams, right? Like, because maybe that's what other people would understand the most. You know right. you're in D.C. and you got light yeah, exactly. signs going I on told in you. the background. You I know told you're in D.C. That's, why I, that's exactly why I love it. Just just let it ride out. I, I, even in the last uh, show As long as they're not coming for us, we're cool. I don't know. We're talking about some crazy <laughs> shit right now, baby. But you know what? I absolutely love it. Please finish your thought. Uh, that was it, pretty much. I mean, just that, uh, you know, what, what Ben was describing when it comes to dreams, that uh, many greats in history would use similar uh, verbiage to describe how they were inspired and how it they... came to me in a dream. Right. Yeah. Uh, Tesla, Einstein all said it was like almost divine provenance. Mm -hmm. And then you have to wonder if they're just on this frequency where they're picking up something. I know Einstein, when they dissected his brain, he had more gluons than almost any brain they ever seen. And gluons are kind of a conductivity material right. in the brain that makes it work better mm. so maybe you use 50 percent of your brain like most uh, most of us use 50 percent einstein was able to tap into 75 percent but uh you know a, a lot of famous people da vinci was the same said he would have these three days where he couldn't remember anything but then he start drawing he'd draw parachutes and you know flying machines and things like that and so it's interesting that some of the greatest geniuses got the these visions not through scholarship or scholarship, but through dreams and voices. So, where does all that energy come from? You used to call it the ether. You know, now it could be the ether, like a like a like a like Thor. No, like Thor a too? like a like, like a Nas. dimension that everybody can tap into. Um, okay, Freud would have called it the the super mind. Um, there's this, it's called the Arkashic Record, I think, where Akashic, you could yes, the yes, yeah, Record. You can like tap you into uh, right. the mind, all our minds are connected to a great library. And if you can tap into the library, you can know anything from the past, present, and future. Because that's, if you think about it, every thought that you have is an electrical impulse. Mm. I, and I know most of your thoughts are dirty, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's still cool, though, you know. <laughs> but uh, but even, even the dirty thoughts are, are adding to the collective, to the collective mind, because... The library. This library, right? Because almost all the ideas that we're thinking about today were possibly available in previous civilizations, you see. And as these civilizations get wiped out, the Akashic Record is retaining all these ones and zeros, all these bits, all these electrical impulses that are, quote-unquote, thoughts. And then as new civilizations come online into this experiment of Earth, so to speak, in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, they're able, as people be develop their minds and become more spiritually uh, minded, they're able to tap into this Akashic record, become inspired, or just, some people are just naturally gifted. They don't even know why, but they've been chosen to receive this download, so to speak, like, like Nikola Tesla, like Einstein. They don't know why, they just have these thoughts and they just couldn't stop working on those ideas. And when you have amazing people like that in history, you almost have to really psychoanalyze every granular detail that you can to try to find out what makes them so unique. It's almost like we're all radios and we're tuned on to one channel. Some people can change that channel two or three times. And they're able exactly. to tap in some information. Yeah. They, get, they get that cool station we don't get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So where are all these records stored at and how do people access them? Can you ask that question? It's only through the mind, which is, I think the mind is, is, the, is the true other dimension. I, th I think our minds are a quantum computer and what, what the way your brain works and the way you tie into th things is on this whole other level because all the great computers we build can't do what our mind can do yet. And so a quantum computer and a quantum mind can, can be present in all the different 
realities that we exist in, you know, knows the energy level, the radiation level, the frequency level, whatever it may be. And so if you kind of get to that level, then everything makes sense. You have, if we all came from a big bang, we all started a singularity and expanded everything we are. Well, we all are tied to that big bang, maybe, you know, the birth of the star type thing. If we're all connected, then it kind of makes sense that we all connected to everything. Every single thing that's ever happened, everything you could possibly think of doing, we're all connected because we all came from the stars. We're all stardust. Can I bring something up? Before? I know, Tony, you better go in. But um, it's something I saw a picture of, uh, a brain cell in the universe. Same. How they look? This, yeah, yeah, very similar. <laughs> it looks very similar. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, the digital, the digital neural net, so to speak, looks a lot like our universe. Exactly. And there is some strong correlation to that, you know, because there is just basically geometric shapes and, and patterns in nature within our universe and the things that we see and feel every day that we don't realize is like nothing is unique as it is uh, diversified. You know, it's like everything is. It's always been there. It's always been there, and we're just rediscovering a lot of these things that we think are new, but they've really been there forever. And by rediscovering them, the closer we get to answering that proverbial question, the closer we are to actually leaving this planet. You know, uh, but I think we're going to be stuck here for a long time. Now you mean? Uh, I'm sorry, Mac. You gotta say something. I actually, I, I lost it, man. I, <laughs> so I got this, it. That's why I actually you said leave this planet. What do you mean? Right, right. I think that and before we're allowed to actually leave and, and take our trash out to the universe, you know, we have to be able to reach a certain, Ben, you've mentioned it many times before, there's a certain spiritual level that we're not going to go out and kill everything that we right. see kind of thing. Kind you know? of being conscious of being compassionate your anal- your and analogy, humanitarian. Your analogy of a confederate, you know, galactic, galactic confederacy, you mentioned a few things about that before, remember? Well, just, it's like what Stanton Freeman would say, you know, we haven't graduated yet to the galactic confederacy because we still kill each other. So if there's a presence here monitoring us, there's a good reason because we're still militaristic. We still kill each other, but we're beginning to travel space. Right. As I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you caught on to this, but there's a great film called UFOs and Nukes by Robert Hastings. I highly recommend it to your okay. listeners. Okay. Um, it talks about in great detail how across the globe, UFOs have been present on nuclear sites. They have actually disabled uh, and actually started a nuclear countdown and almost started World War III, stopped it. When the presence of these UFOs left, the systems came back online. Why is that? Why, why they started then? It's a very good question. You know, a lot of this, a lot of this interesting uh, turmoil took place way back in, in during the development of the atomic, the atomic age, and the atomic bomb that we dropped on Hiroshima. Yeah, forty-five. Right. So, uh, in, over in Roswell, New Mexico, you know, that area was used for for testing of the atomic bomb, and therefore, uh, we got the attention of the powers that be, or you know, aliens, what have you. Uh, and we started getting a lot of UFO sightings. There were these, what's called flaps, is when we have a period of time where we have such an abundance of UFO sightings that you can't explain it. In DC, it happened in the 50s. It also happened again in the 70s, and in the 80s was enormous, especially 1980, because we had the, Rendell, the Rendlesham uh, flap out there in the UK, and our friend uh, Colonel Halt, who we've talked to many times, gave us intimate detail on his encounter and what happened the night before. I won't get into that. But uh, is it? Can we not get into that because of a certain reasons? Or it just takes about a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's take it all the way back. All right, Hiroshima, uh, Nagasaki, atomic bomb, Japan. Right. That happened. Right. 
1947 Roswell. What happened? I don't. I know you're not gonna tell me weather balloon because I don't want to hear that <laughs> shit. Like the same way I don't want to hear a magic bullet went into Kennedy. I don't want to hear that either. It's a. It's a very. Uh, there's a lot of contention as to what exactly happened. Many books have been written on the on the subject. Uh, um, Tom Carey, we spoke spoke to him. You know, he he wrote a great book about it. Interviewed tons and tons of people, and then it came out later that these people were. Know, falsifying their testimony and you know just really throwing a huge monkey wrench into the whole investigation but in mm-hmm. my in my opinion i think something did go down there we were just starting up our um our radio frequencies and our radar systems and we we're just shooting all kinds of electrons out into our atmosphere and what's interesting where is this out of just what what was state new mexico yeah, okay around, okay around the, the, the midwest so to speak so we have the most sightings in the midwest so that's interesting that we started shooting out of there and then the first thing we saw was a UFO coming down out right. of that same area. Yeah, there was there was a lot of storms uh, in that time frame through from June and July, and there was a, a really heavy storm. So it was it was thought that it could have been lightning, it could have been uh, the the radars, uh, you know, just bombarding our, our stratosphere with electrons at the same time. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that something metallic came down. Well, let's talk about this before I go back in that. Um, so we started shooting off, you said, radio frequencies or electrons? Electrons. Right. electrons. Mm. Okay. How fast do electrons travel? Shoot, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> electrons, is on, it's going like, I think it's the same speed as vibration and sound, if I'm not mistaken. As fast as speed of light, isn't it? Uh, not electrons. So I think it's, it's uh, I, I could be mistaken, but you know, we have Google, man, for this. So right. I can probably hey, this hey, up, but. live feed. Thank you for watching. Go ahead and turn that thing off. You can watch the rest of this from the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> Love you, baby. Blacks and Yak, y'all tune in. Thank you. Oh. So, um. electrons traveling. So, they, they, they sent these signals out there, and something came back. Are we on a commercial? No, that was, it's on commercial here. Oh. <laughs> he was playing the live feedback. Oh. So, we sent electrons out there, and something came back. Right. Is that does that indicate friendly, maybe aggressiveness, or what do you think? Well, it's interesting is because, you know, the argument I've heard many people say is, like, if they're so intelligent and they're so great out there, how is it that our, our um, radars can, can bring them down? And here's the deal. I've noticed a progression in technology from old UFOs to new, right? You had mm. the old nuts and bolts UFOs, and a lot of those were fake. You know, they were mm. fake models and things like this. But some of them that appeared metallic we're kind of like morphing plasma and there's just so much to talk about I mean, we can go on for like 24 48 hours on the subject straight up and not to confuse anybody but what i think spawned a lot of the fakes was the misinterpretation of the real stuff they were seeing and that's why all of these fake nuts and bolts ufos that were being photographed back in the day were so prominent and then the real deal ones were the ones that were exhibiting propulsion evidence and it like like uh electric like excited ions around the craft which would cause that haze like you see in the summertime over the road yeah when it looks kind of hazy okay it's, okay it's okay like, it's energy coming off the road so when you see stuff like that around a, an object at a distance and part of it looks like it's cutting the thing in half or something like that because there's so much energy around it that the ionized ionized air around it is causing this distorted light look and then if you see like different colors of plasma like purples and kind of oranges emitting from a particular object that's that's sign of propulsion which means that whatever that is it's giving off its own energy it's not just some sort of model hanging being suspended by like a fishing line or something like this that you can't really see very well 
reflecting light so people get all in awe of the shiny metallic object and they're like ooh it's got to be real look it's reflecting sunlight there's a lot that could be a model it could be anything mm-hmm. you know you need a lot more evidence you need evidence of propulsion and that's what we look for the most not to segue in so many different avenues and we're no, no, just this talking is good. about something else yeah, earlier, no, this leads into our everything we talk about gotcha. Roswell something came back like, like uh, where you talk about because I, I gotta bring it back for Ben right here since he's left out and take a piss. <laughs> right, I gotta right. bring it back a little bit. Sorry, right, everybody right, out right. there. That's the one call you always have to answer. Nature, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's not piss on yourself. Real yeah. quick, <laughs> to answer our question earlier, mm. man, about um how how fast do uh, electrons travel? It's about two thousand and two hundred kilometers per second, and that's um judging by Google, it's less than one percent of the uh, speed that uh it takes for light to travel. So basically, anybody can see it. Yeah, anybody can see it. Anybody can see it. <laughs> and then it kind of brings me to my next question, man. So, like, um, with you know, with the you say it was New Mexico when he started sh- we were shooting it off. Yeah. Um, it, when you look at, um, I, I look at a lot of like YouTube channels and stuff, you know, just to kind of you know see what everybody else is seeing over there. And um, most of the, like any time I see any kind of like sightings or whatnot, it's over there in that area. So you that's got, right. It's a it's a very it's interesting because we were just there. Was it a couple years ago? Two years ago? For for, for the score thing. Was that uh, 2013. We're Two, going back yeah. next month. And that's what hey, let's, going, let's get into that. Yeah, because <laughs> what happened was we were checking out, we're going to get into the Socorro case. I mean, not to segue away from Roswell, that's important as well, but but this particular case is like, in my opinion, 100 times more important than Roswell. Why is that? More well, evidence. We have a lot of, so a lot of evidence. much evidence. I'll let Ben speak okay. a little bit about that. Before, I, I tell you what, before we get into that, so much evidence, let's uh, finish the Roswell real quick so we can just knock that out. That we can compare the both together. Can you finish Roswell, though? Yeah, Ben, talk a little bit about Roswell, and I mentioned Tom Carey a little bit. Here's the thing about Roswell. Um, It's funny that, uh, you know, in psychology, you learn that a lot of times when people are kind of pressed, the first thing they say is the truth. And with Roswell, I believe that when Colonel Blanchard released that statement, it said, we found a flying disc. That was the truth. And everything else past that was a lie. Hold a second. I don't want to interrupt you, but who is Colonel Blanchard? Well, they they put together a press release. uh, Colonel Blanchard was the one that authorized it. But they basically, you know, found this object in Roswell in 47 and brought it back. Uh, Mac Brazel. Mac Brazel was the the rancher who found it, Mm -hmm. reported it. It took him about five or six days to get out there. Jesse Marcel went out. Uh, Daniel Cavett, who, of course, says he never went out, but probably wasn't telling the truth. And anyway, they got this material <laughs> that you know had unusual properties. But the press release was prepared um, in such a way that it had gotten the clearance that this hadn't hit Washington yet. And so they released saying, we've captured a flying disc in Roswell, New Mexico. And that's exactly what probably happened. Then the Pentagon texted them and said, stop reporting right away. They were about to do another story where they were interviewing the witness, and they said, if you transmit this story, you'll lose your license. Um, the, it was not the CIA at the time. But the, the bottom line is something very unusual happened at Roswell. All the records from that year were destroyed. When Governor Schiff, the New Mexico governor, looked into it, who surprisingly not died of cancer, you know, fast-acting cancer, like a lot of <laughs> ufologists seem to do. Yeah. But he, he investigated, and he's, the government accounting arm, the investigative arm of the, of the government, looked into it and said all the records were destroyed. They couldn't find anybody that had the authority to do that. But it's really weird if this was a weather balloon that they eliminated all the documents. Why has that always happened? Like in the, the moon landing video that it was overwritten with something crazy? 
that all these amazing events in history just happen to get destroyed for some crazy reason. The, there is a probably a, 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 I don't call it cabal, but there's probably a top secret compartmentalized part of the government that doesn't answer anybody, and we can prove it because you can't see how much the black budget is, and your senators can't ask about it. We're talking but, about trillions missing. Yeah, there's, there's, it's what Eisenhower warned us of: becoming too Ooh. black with these projects, where you don't know what the left hand doesn't know what their right hand's doing. We're talking and about black, happened. not like black and yak, but you're talking about black. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> black hey, If you, if you hey, want to do a little plug for you, hey, we're you not funding anybody. If you, if you want to do a little history lesson, there was a time when a, a president, you know, wanted to go to Area 51 before it was called that. He was denied that. He said, "I will bring the army to your door." If you don't let me in, they let him in. He toured the facility, and he came back, and he didn't talk about it. Oh, my fucking so I won't. I won't say what the president God. was. That's a good story to look up. But you What know, year was this? 50s. 50s. We found Groom Lake in that area in the 50s. I feel like Eisenhower was a very underrated president. Eisenhower knew a lot about what was going on. There, yeah. You know, the president had the briefing, and what's interesting is I got to give Jimmy Kimmel credit for always hammering the presidents when they come That's on because he tells them in advance. But he had Clinton, Obama, Bush, and I think it was Dick Cheney all, and he hit them with the UFO question. Yeah, what Clinton said was crazy. Clinton started grabbing the chair. He got all nervous. He was like, and as soon as they got off topic, he relaxed. I mean, he was clearly giving you the signs that he, something he couldn't talk about. Bush just said, I can't talk about it. Obama said, you know, if it's true, I wouldn't be able to talk about it. And Dick Cheney gave the worst answer of all. He goes, well, if we had a program like that, it'd be classified top secret, and I wouldn't be able to tell you about it. Instead of saying no, he went through all of that. He told and you exactly what it was. Saying it's it's that exactly it, you know, what it'll be. Yeah, it's classified, and I can't talk about it. Right. You know? So it's what a lot of people that have been deep inside other governments, Canadian government, other governments have found out. They go, look, this subject is classified above everything else. And they will not talk about it. And if you threaten to talk about it, they'll come back and threaten you with your life, your livelihood, your career, your everything. kids. Yeah, and they'll discredit you. And they, there's been a lot of cases where they've discredited people that say they were in the army, witnessed things, and they go, "He was never in the army, never did that." And the guy will come out with his photos and his documents and prove he was there. And oh, it was a, you know, it was just an error in our, our documents or whatever. But that's the, the the big thing now, and it kind of ties into the Two Stars Academy, is that they will find, you know, I think that Two Stars Academy has their hearts in the right places, but I think they become the new um, vehicle for disinformation to be dis disseminated to the public. Because but they're not, Tom DeLong probably has his heart in the right place, but he doesn't know the field, he's made a lot of mistakes, he's promoted videos. As UFO that was proven as CGI fakes, um, he said a lot of things that he actually had to retract from his accounts because it was kind of okay. There. Okay, so this is why I wanted this. Is what I actually brought up to you as well too. How do you tell a real video from a fake? Well, it's like what he was talking about. Um, you look for in the CGI field. You know, it's kind of easy to see insertions and things where there's you know there's cutouts around objects that are inserted. You film a clear sky, then you insert an object. There's a lot of ways to see that. Um, in CGI, also, it's really difficult to get the physics right. Yeah, the shadowing, the movement, um, the the best videos really. We we like applying new technology to videos from the '60s and before. 
and photographs, like the Trent photograph is a great example. The Trent photograph shows out of a kind Mc, of, McMinnville, Oregon. Yeah, shows a, it's a disc okay, that was okay. photographed twice by a farmer. It was under his couch for months. It became it's still known as one of the best UFO pictures ever taken. But it's a disc with two different pictures, and underneath is a downflow, just like they describe when it tilted towards them. They were hit with a blast of hot air, and our friend Ray Stanford had done a, a video analysis of that, and it looks like there's some kind of a plaza discharge. You can actually see like a like torsion. Uh, like a tornado coming out right. from beneath the craft. And this was taken in 54. Mm-hmm. And so nobody in 54 is going to think, well, i got to add a yeah, distortion under the right. craft. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when you apply new technology to older pictures and you get, like, there's a famous white cylindrical missile-shaped object with a trail flying over a river. That's a photo from 57, I think, taken by an engineer. It has no wings or anything, and I can't think of anything that's just white with a trail that we looks flew like in a giant dirigible. But the picture, mm. when you look at the picture and blow it up, it's reflected in the river, and nobody would have thought Wasn't it to do that because 1800s, right? 1800. No, this is 1957. Was it 1900s? Yeah. Okay. But it's really old photograph. But that's the kind of detail that would be really hard to fake, and the fact that you could, now with technology now you can make a picture much bigger and clean it up. And that thing is perfectly reflected in the river below it. Tells you it's probably a real picture. And right here in D.C. in our nation's capital, 1953, there was a the flap of UFOs the right lights. over the capital. Yeah, right? that's right. I've we seen had that video. Jet linear lights. We had no. We had actual UFOs flying over the. There capital. was formations. Uh, yeah, it was videotaped. Yep. Even they call it a weather inversion. Yeah, but even the the the. Check it out, 1953. Yeah, yeah, it was the front page of Washington Post said saucers outran jets. That was right. the front page of the Washington Post, our local newspaper. So here's the question. Where are they coming from, and what do they want? That's a great question, and uh, the answer is they're coming from everywhere. <laughs> They've been here forever, and they're going to be here after we're gone. <laughs> yeah, why, why are they so interested in us? Well, see, this is what I think. I think they're here to monitor us. You know, I believe, I believe this is an experiment that we are living in, and I believe that, you know, in my personal opinion, that, you know, we got these, these other types of civilizations living, not necessarily inside the Earth, because... Um, what was his name? Captain um, America. No, no. <laughs> What's his name? Yeah. Hey, he like almost buzzed in. You're thinking of Bird. You're thinking of Bird. Hey, this is Jeopardy, baby. I know. Uh, You're thinking of General Bird. 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 <laughs> he flew around the Earth, and he flew into, in, into the Earth, right? But what I think it was was that as, as he got down near Antarctica, I think what it was is that the valleys were kind of opening up to him, and he just started kind of going into the Earth in such a way that the, the magnetic poles kind of shifted. So his uh, inversion or inertia of gravity was, was reversed. And when you kind of just, it's like if this is the Earth, imagine if the Earth had like a slit like this, like in the navel, so mm-hmm. to speak, and he flew into that. So he didn't fly to the center of the Earth, but he flew into maybe a part of it, maybe. Perhaps. That sounds like Cotius Interruptus. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh. He kind of, kind of like an enema, he entered the Earth. <laughs> the Earth. <laughs> I, I tell you a good analogy for the, why they may be here. And uh, some of it, other people have talked about but there was a great Star Trek episode Next Generation and the Romulans and the Klingons and everybody had discovered there was this secret on this planet so they all rushed to this planet I, yeah I'll take some more tea they all rushed <laughs> yeah, to this, oh, this is tea by the way I would never promote what we drink until y'all boys start uh, giving us some dollars <laughs> I'm gonna give you some tea. more you guys you guys still drink the shit you got in here that's backwash yeah. 
Hey, you did leave for a little bit, so I go ahead. I go for some more. I made more room. You already bust the seal, man. He's gonna be leaving another two more times. Hey, he's giving us good information. So anyway, the Star Trek episode, they all raced to this planet to find the secret, and it was it was really a good idea. And it might have been Isaac Asimov, one of the famous science fiction writers that wrote this story, but the secret was that this civilization that originated on this planet had become high tech and started traveling stars, and when they traveled the stars, there was nobody anywhere. So they said, well, we'll seed everything. And so the great secret was that everybody was related. The thing the Klingons and all didn't want to know, that they were related to humans, and the humans were related to Vulcans, and everybody else was related. And so if something like that happened, and there's a thing called Pansperia, where organic material can travel the stars on comets, mm -hmm. and that might have started life here, but... If we all come from the same organic material, which means we might have two arms, two legs, a head, and that kind of thing, and I'd be a squid or something, then it makes sense that almost like Alien and the Alien movies, Covenant and all that, where you're checking up on your genetic code that you seeded out there to see where it goes. But that could be the reason. I do. It, what, that brings up a good point. Um, again, I, I like to look at a lot of like uh, any kind of documentaries, anything, and they had like one specifically talking to um you know astronauts you know what they see out there right and um one of the astronauts man they, they might have put this for dramatic effect saying oh yeah he's on his dying bed and he said he you know he, he quoted they walk among us and when right. you say that you know they realize that they're they're all related do you think to a, to a point that they would literally be walking among us around here in dc virginia north carolina texas like this you well, know that sounds a lot like our friend uh What's his name? Uh, doctor uh, out of Maryland. He always he wrote the book Among Us. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Resta. No, the other guy. Uh, we had dinner with him, remember? They, they're Among Us. It's called They Walk Among Us. Doctor... Uh, Rudiger? Doctor Strange? No, <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Yo, listen. Listen, in Arizona, the transsexual was hooking up with him, remember? Oh, Dr. Jacobs. Oh, wow. Hey, hey. Have, give, me, give me a gender and a location, and I can figure out anything. Yeah, you got to tell that. Name me a body part in anywhere in the world, and I'll tell you exactly who it was. Dr. Gail Jacobs. <laughs> now, um, so Dr. David blast. Jacobs, he wrote this book called Walking Among Us, and talks about, about what you just said. About like, these alien hybrids that are walking among us, you even like, here in DC, like 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 a shapeshifter. Uh, I don't know, man. It could be just about anything, I suppose. Uh, are, we getting, are we getting down to reptilian? Let's say sure. reptilians. He yeah. he gets deep with all that. He gets deep with a lot. That's not our specialty. We focus on the scientific aspect of ufology when it comes to analyzing photographs and evidence. Okay, so let's go back to that. Let's, let me walk you through. I want to walk you through from 1947 to today. So we are talking about Roswell. Let's talk about. DC, you said it's a hotbed. You keep mentioning Eisenhower, 52, 53. Please explain. And this is something I read too. I want to add this as well. That Eisenhower actually met with extraterrestrials and they made an agreement. If you know anything about that, please speak on that one as well. Well, you know, that's a bunch of, uh, it's very possible, but we don't really have the actual proof for anyone that can we can that we can validate you understand know, information or are you lying to me it's it's a great story <laughs> right. Interesting story, definitely. i'm just saying that you know the way that ben and i operate is like everything's a great story until you show us the evidence you know what i'm saying it's like because there's a lot of great stories out there now it's not that i disbelieve anybody 
and I'll listen to every story that there is, and I will entertain every story. But at the end of the day, until you give me the evidence, hands-on evidence, mm-hmm. it's nothing more than a story. And when I recant that story to somebody else, I'm like, hey, y'all want to hear a great story? Emphasizing the fact it's a story. If I say y'all want to hear about a true story, I'm gonna tell you the true story and why. Yeah, it's 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 part of the legend, and the part of that story. It was either '54 or '64, both years that that occurred. It was at Hollerman Air Force Base. Um, one of the freeze frames, supposedly of the craft, was actually from a TV special. But they said that three bathtub-shaped craft came. One landed, and these beans got off with striped shirts, berets, and long hook noses. And that right there is just so weird that if somebody made this up, it's like, really? You know, but it, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. But what's interesting about that is the 64 landing, some said that Socorro, which was also 1964, was they landed in the wrong place and they were out of, you know, and then a few weeks later they landed in the right place and met with Eisenhower at Hollerman Air Force Base, which was about 30 miles away from Socorro. Okay, okay. Let me give them a quick synopsis, though, about Socorro, because yeah. I don't think they know about well, that. Oh, I, 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 I want to correct something real quick. Yeah, he knows a lot about it. You said 50, You said 54 and 64. That's, that's what you said. 54 64? It could have been either or no. both years. We said they met with Eisenhower. Eisenhower or Truman. Uh, yeah, who was it? Uh, yeah, 64 was uh, Lyndon Johnson. You know this. Sixty-four. Keep, um, keep it up here, baby. It wasn't oh, Johnson. Johnson. I remember that the president on his um, on his journal, I think it was Eisenhower, had a dental appointment that day, and they said that wasn't truly what happened. That he actually was cited at. That's Hollywood. a great cover-up. Yeah, and so <laughs> shout, shout um, to Jenny. <laughs> you know what's interesting about Socorro? Talking about Socorro was that was a close encounter of the third kind. Hey, take us through the synopsis real quick, so everybody knows. Socorro was yeah, through it. in April 22nd of 1964. Uh, Lonnie Zamora, a well-respected, sober police officer, was on random patrol. I think he was kind of parked. Uh, a speeder passed by him, a well-known kid in the neighborhood. He started chasing him, and, and Tony and I have followed this exact route that his car took. And so as he's chasing him, and you're eventually going northwest, but anyway, there's a desert to your right. This core desert. So he's chasing a speeder, and as he's chasing them, he sees what he thinks is maybe a plane that's coming down cross over the road with a blue flame. And unbeknownst to him, three people had already called the police station before Lonnie started chasing this thing, mm-hmm. saying, I see a blue flame coming from Albuquerque towards... From 5 from five p.m. to around 5.30. Yeah, this, three is, calls this all happened around mm-hmm. 5.36 at okay, night. Okay, okay. So Lonnie goes off the path... And he oh, crests. around 5.50, I believe it is. Yeah, he that. starts chasing the object, thinking that something's crashing. He crests the hill. He briefly sees what he says are two white creatures in coveralls next to a, a craft that's down. At first, he thought it was an overturned vehicle, but it was maybe a spherical-shaped craft. And then he takes three tries to get up the hill. He gets up at the top of the hill, comes down again, and the creatures are gone, but he sees a, a, an ellipsoid-shaped object with four landing gear sitting on the ground. And he gets out of his car, and he also witnesses a symbol on the side of the craft, which we've determined is an inverted V with three bars through it. And um, he hears a loud thump. Um, and the, what, what's interesting is when he first saw the creatures, he, one of them looked startled. It's like, like, wow, there's a dude coming toward us. And, and how tall were they? There, and they, there was a, there bush was a creosite standing, bush yeah. they were standing near, and the bush was five feet tall, and they didn't come up to the top. They were about four and a half feet tall. And, you know, 
as Ray would say, there's we didn't have midgets or little people flying black projects. We've never had that. And so um, when he got back to the vehicle, he heard two, uh, a loud roar. He hit the ground. He heard two loud thumps, which he thinks it's are the creatures getting shutting. back into the craft, shutting yeah. the double-hulled door. And then the craft lifts up on a blue flame, and he recovers himself. He looks up. It, the blue flame rises up about three or four feet. It cuts off. It hovers for several seconds, no sound, and it starts moving towards the, what's called the perlite mill area, uh, which is top secret army mm. controlled property now when you go out there and try to see what's out there. But it starts heading towards the mountains until it kind of reaches supersonic speed and goes straight up in the air. And um, th there was four holes in the ground that were made, determined by maybe a nine-ton vehicle. There was the uh, Bush. charred bushes yep. that were charred by what seems to be subatomic particles at speed of light start through the ground. The thing about this blue flame was it wasn't propellant. It didn't shoot smoke up. It just blew some sand. Lonnie got a little bit of heat, but it was a blue-orange flame, and it, it, it was some type of exotic propulsion that was not a you know, propellant-type driven thing like we have. And then it turned silent. And to me, that sounds like most of the craft we send to other worlds. You have one major engine that gets you there. Yeah. Then you have another one that lands. And this one had the blue flame that landed it. But when it got up, that cut off. It was silent. And then it flew on something else. It'd probably go to a bigger ship. So we think it's possible that maybe they had to park the car to check out the oil. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or they <laughs> thought the dynamite shack was <laughs> the bathroom. And then they realized that someone's coming for them. They're like, we can make it to the next stop. <laughs> There's, there was a white dynamite shack near there, and Ray always says they stopped to take a crap because they right. thought it was an outhouse. <laughs> but, oh, uh, shit. You know, That's you funny. What astonishes me, though, when I, uh, when I heard that story, like, um, he, he, he described the craft, and he, he said it, was, um, it looked like it was chrome, but when he got closer to it, it was white. Yeah. Right. And then, um, it, I mean, it's just a perfect cylinder. And you it, imagine, it, like, it, that it, pearl, like, that pearl? Like a pearl. Like a pearl. Yeah. Like a really, yeah. really super shiny pearl. Yeah. yeah. And I can, like, vividly, like, see it almost. And then, like, um, the, the best part about this one, uh, this, this happening, is the fact that, like, when they came to investigate, they could actually prove, hey, there was four prongs into the ground. Right. And they could tell exactly how much it weighed right. based on how much the, you know, the ground would take and how right. much of a dent it was. Well, it gets even the, better than that because we actually got metal samples that the feet left on the rock. And we got the rocks itself. Oh, my God. Tell well, me about I, that, please. What I, what, oh, shoot. So sorry, sorry, Mac. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 tell I'm, I'm, me, tell I'm me, tell me. <laughs> so about was in 1976 when he was getting it analyzed. Well, actually, got to Goddard early on. It was pretty. Yeah, was, so hold a second. So this, this event existed in '64. You tell me it was until '76. Right. Well, no, the, book, the book came out like in '66. Oh, okay, okay. All right, now, right, okay, that makes right. sense. That makes sense. There was a big sliver, a big piece of sliver of the metal. That was on the rock, and when he was giving it to, um, uh, Dick, talking about Ray Stanford. Yeah, he, Ray Stanford. He was given the he was given this metal sample to, uh, what's his name? Doctor uh, Frankel. No, Rich, um, Dick Hall. Dick Hall. To Dick Hall because oh, that he, is a hilarious name. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, may he rest in peace. But, uh, <laughs> oh, oh <yeah>. man. <laughs> but uh, he had a friend named Doctor Frankel out of Goddard who said he could analyze this metal sample. So Ray says, look, I want the samples back, or please don't scrape. No, do half of them. Yeah, just do, do half. half. Don't scrape all of it. They said, oh, yeah, you can trust us. Well, they scraped yeah. everything off of that. Of course thing. they did. And then Dr. Frankel vanished. He all of a sudden could no longer communicate with him, and that someone else took over the whole project. Well, needless to say, uh, he was given some information. Well, yeah, the, the, 
the, the metal, and it's kind of a contentious point because uh, we have video of Heineck saying you shouldn't have given it to well, him. Who's, tell me who Heineck Dr. Heineck was the Project Blue Book scientist hired by the government to investigate the claims that eventually became a UFO believer. But the metal, uh, Frankel told Ray before he got clamped down on, was uh, a zinc, zinc iron, iron alloy, but the combination, the way it was combined, it was, it was didn't bound. conform to anything no on the way. periodic chart. And so, oh my! And it was non-corrosive. God, it was non-corrosive, like gold. Nothing would affect it. And he said, "Well, if this was coated on the landing gear, that would make sense because it's non-corrosive." And the metal disappeared. Right. And so we still have access to the rock, which has some melted crystals. But the one thing about the oh, so, oh, so, oh, where's the rock at right now? It's with uh, our, our friend Ray, who was the original investigator that was on site. Heineck well, called him to the site in 1964. You, you tell me he has a rock right now. Yeah, that, in a yeah, highly, right now. highly secured location. Yeah, yeah. It's in a, oh, it's in okay, a safe. Okay. It's in a safe. All right. I, I was gonna say, is it like him in his house? No, like his no, wife it's in and a like bank. He's running around. It's yeah. in a bank somewhere. It's in a special place. Yeah. But oh the, my god! The interesting thing about that case is that the government and we have a really good. Pre we'll have to give you a copy of our presentation. We've done it like eight times. Oh we please, please, please! Yes, yes, we want that. that on, but, and we're on. You can find us on YouTube too. But our latest one is our best one. But basically, the government. Ran out of options. They never. They could have come out and said, "Hey, it was a black project craft." They never did. They their final determination was unknown. And we have all the internal blue book documents that were found by a gentleman named Rob Mercer on Craigslist. And those documents were basically said, "Can you explain this away?" No hallucinations. Not they don't cause full holes in the ground. We had uh, there was evidence of radiation because the film taken the day of the event was fogged by radiation. Okay. Okay. So the whole thing is uh, one of the 701 cases that's unsolved, and as we've digged into it more, we actually have seen, and we can't go into great detail, but there is somebody that has a photograph taken at the site that shows the craft in the air. So we've seen in a photograph an egg-shaped craft with the land, three of the landing gear obviously available to the picture. And so we know that this event happened exactly the way it occurred because there's a photograph Only of this point, craft. About 0 0.5, 0 0.6 miles from 0 .5 the camera. 0.5 miles lines. away from the camera with three other craft in the picture. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. What looks like a mothership, another egg-shaped craft, and a saucer-shaped craft right. looking out the Perlite Mountains in Socorro. So we're going to Socorro in April to uh, kind of talk oh, to some witnesses. Last time we were there, we photographed our own uh, UFOs. We got... One yeah, we, we were in Arizona Ooh, going 66 yeah, West, which is, you know, on 66 West, you can pass by Daytil and um, Corona, all these different areas where supposed crashes happened over the years. But the, the great like telescope corridor. display. It's like a corridor of crashes. You know, all the telescopes <laughs> you've seen out, mm. in the, out in this desert. Yeah, the, yeah okay, that, okay. That's on the left as you're going out there. And, and Tony just got the feeling to... Started taking pictures out the window, and we got. We were a, just chatting, right? And I'm like, "Hold up, man! Hold up! I've got to roll this window a, down." A dome shaped <laughs> shooting, right? We got a dome shaped <laughs> object with a red light on top, and nine different photos moving away from us. And then right. we got like a cigar shaped thing with what looks like vents down the side. Something of it. like that, yeah. That cigar shape's pretty popular. Right. Uh, it makes sense because saucers and cigars would penetrate the atmosphere easier than any other shape. So least resistance, hmm. in your opinion. Like, well, that's interesting. You mentioned least resistance. We can tell you a little something about a little bit about. Uh, well, see, what was your question? Well, I mean, uh, it's going to stray off a tiny bit. No, yeah, we right. can bring it back in. <laughs> but um, 
in your opinion, so when like when uh, when you say they go out to to these crash sites or you know they went out to these crash sites, they've proven you know I mean not even proven but like they they say it's substantial evidence like hey something was here he's not telling a lie. Right. Um, what do you think would be the reason why? I would say civ- like civilians can't can't know this. We 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 all you know we inqu- we inquire about it. We want to know. They, they, oh, they you trying you trying to say why don't we have disclosure? Well, I mean, not y'all. I mean, not you guys. No, I mean like, government. In, in for government example, wise, yeah, that's, I mean, oh, this is one of Ben's favorite NASA, topics. That's with the that's NASA real league. easy to answer. It's um, it all stems from religion. Two documents. <laughs> one of them. One was the government Air Force <laughs> did an internal investigation of what was going on. The conclusion came back that they were interplanetary craft, and then they said you can't come to that conclusion. They squashed it. The second study was the Brookings Institute, which is a think tank for Washington, D.C., that basically said, look, after the 1939 broadcast of Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, where people freaked out and started shooting their neighbors, and I mean, it caused almost riots in every city mm. that heard it because they didn't realize it was a play. They kept thinking that we were being invaded by Mars. They said, because of the reaction to that, you can't disclose this. You would collapse religion, monetary value, oil, all that would collapse if you say there's somebody here with a better technology and there's nothing we can do about it. That's and that's the reason they'll never disclose it. You can't say, hey, they, they're coming around, they might be abducting people, but oh, it's okay, we yes. can't stop them, yes. we can't do anything, but uh, it's okay, it's, don't worry about it. So the whole reason, the Brookings Institute said, look, as we explore space, if we find evidence of extraterrestrials on the backside of the moon, because the moon doesn't rotate, the backside always is away from us, mm-hmm. And they would place something there knowing that we could only find it once we could travel space and maybe survive killing ourselves. But he said if we travel the solar system and find evidence of aliens, you just can't tell the people about it because of Orson Welles' broadcast and this and that. And so that's... There's the another book right there called We Found Aliens on the Moon. Aliens on the Moon, yeah. yeah. But the whole point is that they didn't think we could handle it. And the argument that's true now is Star Trek was one of the greatest TV shows to bring people around to accepting the fact that there's probably aliens. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I've watched so many shows on TV where scientists go, well, I became a scientist because I saw this Star Trek episode. <laughs> and that's, how, that's how, what got them interested. It could be the original Star Trek or the next generation or whatever. But I think... And now, you know, it used to be 10 or 15%. Now about 60% of the population believes that we've been visited. So disclosure wouldn't be that great a shock as it would have been in the 50s or 60s. Yeah. One of the things I feel like is um, largely um, disregarded. If, you know, we went back, you know, I remember we were talking about um, uh, time not being, you know, uh, a linear type deal. Um, But... Or, or being it's a linear type deal, not 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 a past, present, or future. No, past, present, uh, yeah, past, present, and future. I got you, baby. Um, appreciate you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for in you said you know we would eventually have to um, come together in order to leave this planet. It didn't have to be in physical form. It it can be you know, you know, astral projecting any to that to that extent. But to think about there's beings or. Um, species that are actually entering this earth with the technology to do it already because proof this proves that they were here probably in this universe if not other universes a lot longer than we've been here yeah so like i feel like it's just like we were probably one of the last and then when we finally figure it out they'll you know we're going to other you know galaxies any 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 kind of possible situation they're they're just on the outside like man there might be something out there but they can't prove it yet so they're already there like it's almost like a 
like a double sided mirror where huh. one of them it's like uh, Ant Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Ant Farm, yeah. Ant Farm. Ant Farm or like a double sided glass where one of them you can see through and the other one they're, they're like, yeah, there I mean, might be somebody there. Our son is 4 billion years old. There's sons that are 50 billion years old. So it, it makes sense that there's a oh, lot of civilization. Hold on a second. I, I don't want you to slur your words. How old are these sons? Our sun is, I think, 4 billion years old with another 5 billion to go, but we have a young solar system. Uh, yeah, ours is one of the newest. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the places you can see are much, much older. And so, and I've always thought, you know, look look where we were. This is 2018. Look where we were in 1918, 1818. Imagine the We've least, grown a lot. Right. Think 500 years ahead of us, 20,000 years ahead of us, 500 million years ahead of us. The technology, if there's multiple species, which could be true, visiting us, some could be 200 years ahead of us, but those guys that are 50,000 years ahead of us, it's you just know, like Carl Sagan said, it'd be magic. You, you got evidence understand. right here, man, because this little device right here far exceeded my expectations. It's a, yeah, <laughs> the, anything exactly. I the iPhone exactly. was a revolution, and whether that came from ingenuity or somebody getting a little bit of a lead. Came now. from the records. Tesla. Roswell, <laughs> Tesla thought about it years ago. Roswell, supposedly ago. they had computer chips, and that's how they learned the secret of computer chips. And the, and the descriptions from Roswell were uh, fishing wire with a light on the end of it. Allegedly, that, that's we, fiber we, got a, we got fiber optics out of it, night vision out of it. We got remote control out of it, all kinds of crazy stuff. And the graphene. Uh, stealth you know, technology. Putting the, hu- the pilot actually being part of the craft, right. so that if you look left, it goes left, you look right. Those big eyes you all see, is not the real alien, that's a mask. And that's just so they can see in the darkness, kind of a thing. Like those are lenses that they actually gave. That's to. what the you know the number one remote oh, viewer shit. said that the, the grays are the lenses, really not those big eye, those big yeah. almond eyes are yeah. actually lenses, and they apparently they gave those to technology companies. That's how they came up with night vision by night vision. by deconstructing the lenses. Yep. Hold a second. All right, all right. Let's talk about the grays for a second. And Ronald Reagan. And back in the eighties, we've heard some crazy man. stories. Well, is that is presidents. that a thing, or is that just people just talking shit? I'll tell you what. I mean, with the one story, story. I'm going to so go. With, I'm going to go with the Laura Eisenhower one. She's oh, so that was so crazy. Hey, 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 hey! Take your time. I like that. Reagan and blow our fucking mind, Mike. <laughs> you keep the cameras one. rolling. It's already been prepaid for. We got to take two hours. Just make it happen. What is this? Two hour session. It's been two hours. It's been uh, it's been hey, it's been like an hour some change right now, Mike. Hour and a half? Hour and 10 minutes? <laughs> oh, cool. He said he's ready to get your motherfuckers out of here. Hey, we got he time. Make it happen. Mike, so so, so this is Friday. interesting. So so Reagan and his wife, back in the day, they were going, I think they are driving through SoCal to go to a party before it was all built up and everything. And allegedly this uh, UFO lands in front of their car and stops them out in the middle of nowhere. And Ronald Reagan is sitting there, you know, he's freaking out and his window's up and he's like freaking out, what do I do? This alien allegedly walks up to his window and knocks on it, and he looks at his wife, what do I do? She says, we'll roll the window down. So he rolls the window down, and apparently, allegedly, this alien says to him, we need you to run for president. And he's like, how am I supposed to do that? I don't have the funds. I don't have this. And they say, don't worry about it. What year is this? What year is this? Shoot, what year was that? Do you remember? Because Reagan got a... That was in 1978, I think it was. We get it. You know Uh, your president. 77, 78. This is before he ran. I knew the president very well. Yeah, (laughs) so it was probably like 77, 78, I think it was. I I couldn't tell you. Anywho, so he goes to this party, you know, and he's, he's, he's in shock about this whole thing, and... He announces that he's going to run for president, and so next thing you know, things just happen for him apparently. But that was mm. that was in a nutshell. Uh, the best Reagan stories that I know about that are probably, I would think, closer to the truth are that 
when he at the United Nations said, you know, he stopped everybody when he said, I think all our differences would be solved if we were oh threatened by an alien threat from outside of our planet. And the other thing that he said was that when he did, he invited Steven Spielberg out to the White House. And Spielberg okay. has never denied this to see Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Spielberg actually you know, said, I'll show you the movie, that Reagan leaned over to him during the movie and goes, just can't tell you how much of this is really true. You know. <laughs> and you all seen that movie, right? No, I've seen the movie. Talk yeah. about it, please. You yeah. remember the part where they're coming around around the bend and these UFOs are the UFOs are coming right around the corner, those the, those three lights? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Ben, talk about that and Ray shooting the photographs of that before the movie came out. All right, hold a second. Before uh, you begin, are we talking about the uh the landing strip with the uh, the colors and the exchanging of aliens and humans? That is a, that well, is they, correct as well. The movie had okay. the panels with the 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 the, the um some you know the the tones you know bee boo 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 that brought the aliens down. What is, what is that? What does that mean right there? Those, well, it was supposed sounds. to be a form of communication. We know that mathematics is a universal form of communication, but based on uh, the universe, right? Because you can break everything. Math works throughout the universe, so we know that there's helium and there's carbon on all these other stars because we can see the signatures for it. Okay, but we have a friend that uh, was at White Sands when he said that, and this was six months before the movie. Um, he he had gotten word. He was a UFO investigator. He got word that an event was going to happen on the White Sands grounds, which is a an army testing. What base. if what he witnessed was the okay. movie being made? But he uh, <laughs> he uh, he got up on a mountain called Peekaboo. It's, this is occurring to me. It's a mountain called Peekaboo where you can look into the valley. And okay. when he looked, when he got set up there, the mountain had these panels around it that were exactly like the same as the movie. So what he witnessed was these white panels surrounding the mountaintop that had different colors exactly like the movie before the movie came out and he filmed two ufos spindle shape coming down docking with each other and then moving 20 miles away and coming back in the blink of the eye yeah, how cool over. is that you, you see these things coming together like this and then then they both go the same direction back. and then they dock and then Jesus. they move 20 miles and blinking eye come back move 20 miles come back and they're all playing around this mountain that has these panels around it and so we have the documentation from him with the magnetometer reading showing that there was energy being provided by these craft. You know, magnetometer is a great way to measure if something's using some type of unique propulsion. It's electromagnetic interference. It breaks out electromagnetic field. You know, you have a base. And then when something enters that frequency and changes that base, you can you can yeah. correlate that to what you're seeing. So you haven't have an object. You don't see any propellers. You don't see any exhaust. You don't see any engines. It's a completely sealed object, yet it's performing aerodynamic features. You're looking at advanced propulsion. And a magnetometer, a gravitometer, and things like this can pick up evidence of the frequencies it's working on, but you still are baffled check, by Check out happening. Nellis Air Force Base UFO. You're gonna so, see great evidence of what he just said. That's a pretty Nellis. Cool. I, I was at Nellis one time. I say, I Nellis had has some some stuff over there that'll yeah. make you look twice. I was in Vegas partying hard. Makes you double Nellis take three crazy. times. Nellis got Nellis is stacked as far as aircrafts, anything that would be a good spot. If I was if I was a UFO coming in, or on a UFO coming in, that's where I would go first, mainly Ooh, because of the fact that you, you know, know what? what they have there. You just brought up a great point. So. Are you familiar with the? It's a moon. I forget which planet it is. Maybe Jupiter. Phobos. Phobos. No, no. Sirius. Sirius B. Sirius B. That's where the Dogon tribe who claim claims to be from in Africa. Oh, okay, okay. See, I didn't. 
I, I knew. I knew I, okay, okay. Now we're getting something right here. Y'all don't know about that. Oh, so, so we'll get in a second. But I want to bring. I want to bring something up. Mike, keep the cameras rolling. Keep the cameras rolling. You got to know. You got to know about this. No, I want to know about this. But this is what I'm bringing up first. The lights on Las Vegas are as bright from the sky as that moon on Ceres. Yeah, you can see them from a long way away. Okay, talk. Okay, so the Dogon tribe has ancient wisdom, apparently. And when, when uh, the more sophisticated you know, uh, urban culture came to check them out, they found out, they were asking them questions, how do they know about the solar system and all this? And they kept mentioning Sirius B. Well, we didn't know about Sirius B, so uh, in our opinion, it didn't exist. It was just a bunch of tall tales. I think he's talking about the planetoid that was discovered in our solar system. Is that what you're talking about? You're talking about yeah, Sirius B with the white you, you, reflection. You, I'm talking about that one, but yeah. you keep talking about what you're talking about. Oh yeah, mine's, <laughs> way, I, I know mine, about the mine, mine's way more interesting. Yeah. Hydrogen, <laughs> like, a, like a grabber of information. He's like, yeah, like hydrogen saying, ice. But bring it to the table. Yeah, I, I know about the Dogon shot to my uh, man. Um, uh, one of these rappers out here, not one of these rappers, but one of the best rappers that hasn't released any music. My man, Jay Electronica. One plug. Keep talking. Facts. So right, so so when we started inquiring about where they came from, they kept mentioning Sirius B. We said, well, that doesn't exist until later on. I think it was like 1996, as a matter of fact, when we first discovered Sirius that. Sirius is a binary star system. We didn't know it was two stars, but the Dogon tribe from about 5,500 years ago, or 5,500 B.C., which is further back in time, they knew it was a binary star system. And they actually knew the, the way the, that the planets rotated around each other. But it was 1996 that we discovered it, We right? discovered, like, two years ago that they were right about the gravitational pull also. That was for another planet, though. No, that was the same system. They, 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 no, Sirius. They got Sirius C now, too. Well, Sirius, we the, 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 the two stars are light year away. But they had an orbit that the Dogon predicted, and we right. just figured we just out the orbit. Saw it. Right. And they knew it 7,000, 8,000 years ago. Right, it was part of their Jesus ancient history, Christ. ancient culture. But on top of that, here's the most important thing the Dogon tribe said. Okay. They said, we come from up there. Our ancestors come from the sky. And that is what's, if you ever watch Ancient Alien Theory or check yes, that yes, out. Yes, yes, I've seen that show. You'll mm -hmm. notice that almost every culture in this, in this world has some sort of... Uh, uh, Knowledge ancestry. from the skies or from across right. the waters. The now, hold a second, hold a second. This is a great plug right here. Y'all were on the History Channel, weren't y'all? Yeah. History Channel. Yeah, we yeah. Were on, talk about that a little uh, bit. Hang yeah, on. We Tell on them about Hangar 1. You talking about Hangar One? It's all oh, your, it's all, it's all your idea. These actually. guys are famous. Right. No one this dude, about Hang on. hold up, this dude here, he actually projected this whole thing. So. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, grand, my grandmother was psychic, and I think some of it read off on me. But anyway, we hey, shot the grandma. 2012, I think we we were gonna go. I was trying to talk Tony. We just met into the MUFON symposium. I said, "Look, the producer for that UFO show on the History Channel, Hangar One, is gonna be there because they had the season already." I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, we can see some of the other perform uh, other speakers because they're all having, you know, getting old. And then Stanton Freeman had a heart attack, and I kind of drove the point home. And he didn't appear. He actually Skyped in, I think. But anyway, on a side note, I was like, well, maybe we can meet the producer and get on the show. In the back of my mind, I saw this path that was like, we'll meet the producer. We'll impress him. We'll do an audition. We'll beat out thousands of other people. And we'll get on a TV show, which is the longest shot ever. How many people get on a TV show and mm -hmm. actually make it happen. Exactly. So anyway, we go there and the producer is being chased around by somebody that didn't get on the second <laughs> season. And um, and I go and I, I buy him a beer and he comes over the table and I start we start chatting with him. We say some stupid things about what we think should be on the next season. All we say is stupid things. So. But uh, yeah. I told him like I, used to do, 
I used to do. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I said I used to do stand up comedy, which I did at the Alexander Comedy Club for for a short while, and uh, you know, and I told Ooh, him. Okay, I think okay. I told him a couple of jokes. And then he walked away, and I turned to Tony. I said, I bet he walks back and says, hey, do you want to audition for my show for season two? I was like verbatim. He just came right back. And so he walks back and goes, Mm. hey, I'm thinking, would you like to audition for our show? (laughs) I'm like this. I'm like drinking and going, I'm going to spit out my cup. I'm I'm still not going to get excited about it because it's a long shot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. You know, very low key. And then we go to do the tapes, and they haven't even contacted Tony. They're just talking to me. So I go over to his house with my cell phone, and we're supposed to memorize this script. Instead, I write it on a big piece of cardboard and put it right behind the camera, so it looks like I memorized it. And uh, Tony's dog is licking my leg, and we're just what the fuck? Yeah, some peanut butter on your on your your upper thigh. I'm I'm, I'm the official Paul's guy around here. You know, I didn't have anything to play with till my mom cut the bottoms out of my pocket. So uh, (laughs) model Q Mac Paul's. <laughs> but yes, uh, you, you miss his joke. <laughs> no, no, say, oh, no I, You know what? Let's just heard it. I hear it again. You gotta, you gotta just keep going. Again. No, no, just keep going. The, the people already so, heard it. The people heard it. Just keep going. I, I'll listen to it again. Don't worry we'll catch about it. Later. So what happened was they called up and go, "Well, we want Tony also." So we did this audition, which I still have on my phone. And um, sure enough, they call us about a month later and go, "Hey, want to fly you out to L.A. to be on the show?" Nice. And so we go out, and it's this site where Mike Tyson's medical records were in there. It's this haunted. It was investigated as a haunted place, 40,000 square feet of a warehouse with medical records. And that's Hangar 1 that you see on the show. Okay. And so we filmed. I, you know, it was funny because when I got in the chair, the guy goes, uh, have you ever been on TV before? I'm like, I've never, never seen a camera before, you know. And he goes, well, you're sitting really well. I sat like this for 16 hours straight. Look at you, mm. looking strong. And filmed like four or five episodes that way. And Tony was funny because, Tony, you got a call. I think your girlfriend or somebody called during the show. And are, are you the, still with her? And the director's like, uh, <laughs> director, <laughs> director Doug was hilarious. He's like, uh, he's mimicking Tony. He's going, like, yeah, I'm, this director's here. He's a, he's a dick, man. I hate him. He's an asshole. I can't stand him. And it was hilarious because he looked like Woody Allen. He was really funny and. <laughs> And so we filmed okay, the show. Okay. It's kind of cool to see the background scene, and we got on season two of Hangar One, about eight episodes each. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get renewed because of a conflict with another show. I but you got say. paid. Not really. We got a free trip. Uh, there was no. Oh. We probably we probably we probably lost money. Going yeah, we probably there. lost money. On but that you got one. exposure. Yeah. yeah, because we we weren't hired as actors. We were hired as experts. The actors we saw lots of money exchange. The actors hands, the actors right? are still getting paid right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for residuals. residuals yeah. yeah, exactly residuals. But what a great experience to see the behind the scenes and to have a input in it and you know to say things that we believed in on camera because you know usually when we do TV shows and stuff. I won't say anything that I don't believe in. And what happened with NASA's Unexplained Files when the guy asked me, do you want to say this? I'm like, not really. See, one of the things that bothers me when I see about stuff like uh, To the Stars is the amount of money they're generating. They're making millions on on the hype. Are are they really making millions? They are. Yeah, he's guaranteed $500,000 a year. Their goal is Guaranteed from who? uh, Through the stock offering. Um, Here's the thing about To the Stars. I don't... I've said... Not kind things about Tom DeLonge. I'm sure his heart's in the right place. But not having been in the ufology for a long time, there are many people that will lead you down the straight path. And they've already done that. He's promoted things that aren't true. Yeah, yeah um, you said that. Absolutely. In yep. their white papers, there is not a penny spent on UFO research. Not a penny. It's a money-generating machine that's built around books, videos, and maybe building the subliminal craft to get you to the other side of the universe, which is a pipe dream. 
So even though it might have good intentions from some of the people there, it's a money machine. And whenever I, in ufology I hear money, it's a red flag because I tell people, if you get in this ufology to be rich and famous, you're going to be poor and unknown because it doesn't pay and you spend your own dime to do all these investigations, but you do it because you're trying to find the truth. You know, if I could discover that UFOs were real and aliens were coming here, well, that's the greatest thing that we could ever hear about. And there's so many questions we could ask another civilization, but I don't care if I get a million dollars. I'd like to get paid to do what I'd love to do, chase UFOs, which we try to do with several TV shows, but, you know, I never expect to get paid. So I do have a question, though. Go ahead, go ahead, because I have a great question after this one. Ooh, is it better than mine? <laughs> no, hey, hey, Mac, when it comes to everybody here, we're all equal. We're all 25%, baby. Go and do your thing. 25 going up. All right, ready? <laughs> so, if something happened and some kind of crazy out of this world, speaking of UFOs, out of this world experience happens and you get hardcore proof, undeniable proof, possibly maybe an alien just falls into your backyard. Right. With you knowing as much as you know now and you know how humans, us, here on Earth would react would you bring it to light? Hell no. Do you think I'd we, cover it up? I would stagger it. it. I would stagger it. You'd stagger it in. Yeah, you would, you I would, would, why? Would keep, you would keep why? it. Why? You can't just throw that at people. You have to. You have to slowly, kind of bring it out. You all saw ET, right? Yeah. Yeah, ET was like a comedy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Plus, I would ask counts. the alien. Does he? <laughs> that premise does is, he that, want that to happen? The premise has happened. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't want that, if he says I don't want you to do that, I'd go okay. They had another. Well. How do we he know said that? something that was kind of interesting there. You said that premises happened. What, what, what are you talking about? Here's the Tony, deal. Here's the thing Tony about, talk here, to me. Here's the thing about, about Hollywood, right? It is a machine to, to, to get the people educated. It's also, it's also a way of, of, of uh, disclosure, if you will. A rival. Right, you can, you can create a movie and say, this is just a movie. Chill. This ain't real. But you can put as much reality as you want into it to help Ooh, condition the people. Yes, you see what I'm saying? Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Right? The, the day there are stood still, Earth versus Flying Saucers, all those movies from the 50s and 60s. Tell them about the day there are stood still, the yeah, involvement the, of the Air Force. The Air Force was the consultant on that to make sure their stories were correct. And so. That's interesting because I'm in Air Force and. I'm prior Air Force. Uh, they, yeah, he's, yeah. They were My consultants, especially too. on the day hey, there are stood still. Let's make it happen. Yeah, they were consultants That's on both movies, and um, you know sometimes they say eh, this is not quite right. You got to right. do it like this. You know, right. it's yeah, interesting because if you go back to the fifties, uh, some of the Air Force they would come out with press conferences talking about UFOs all the time, and then then the hammer fell, and that was the end of that. And it was Donald Kehoe that probably started the whole process. He wrote an excellent book. Donald Kehoe was an Air Force major. He came out on a live TV show and started talking about stuff that they didn't want to talk about. They cut the live feed, and then that was the end of uh, the Air Force talking about UFOs on camera. What's up with live feeds? Wasn't there one in uh, Britain back in the day? Uh, some some something came from outer space. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh, live feeds aren't real, though. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like some a yeah. hoaxes. And yeah, I mean... Did they go down the hoax route right there? The the only thing, the wild signal was the only thing I've seen Oh, the wild from signal, space. Right. Oh, a second. Yeah. Oh, a second. Fuck, fuck that bullshit right there, then. <laughs> the wild signal. Tell <laughs> the, me. That was uh, when they did the SETI, started SETI, the SETI. Um, I'm familiar with SETI, the, yeah. Their search for extraterrestrial intelligence, mm -hmm. um, Seth Shostak. They found a signal that was an intelligent repeating pattern and the guy saw it on this crude 
computer printout and he circled it and he wrote wow and that's, uh, yes, that's I've why seen it's called that the wow signal yeah. because yeah. it was and they could never repeat it they kept targeting that star but what's interesting is a lot of the ufo what, what, what star was that it's gillies Gil, i don't recall i can't remember but is that orion's belt uh yeah orion's belt does factor into everything that egypt was about for Only sure when ryan goes it's a reason why i brought belt. that up there's a reason why i brought that up that was the easter egg i'm gonna come back to it a little bit later yeah I mean, Orion's Belt, uh, the pyramids are definitely done as a pattern of uh, Orion's Belt. Hold on a second. Don't get in Orion's Belt real quick. Get, <laughs> get into SETI. Back to SETI. Let's, let's move that forward. SETI, as, as, um, as uh, Stanton Freeman would say, is a silly search for extra. Silly excuse. It's just, for... you know, they're searching for radio signals, which who knows if they're going to transmit radio signals. Was you know? WOW real or not? Rao was an unusual signal, and we've gotten some weird things. That thing obstructing that oh, star. Oh, excuse which, to investigate. Yeah, but you know the whole thing is that <laughs> that's what it, that's if what any of the hundreds of thousands of UFO cases, if one of them is real, then you have proof of something coming here. Why are you looking in space for a signal if the thing is here in our atmosphere? You that's make a great one. point. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Okay. So you think that's why you mean it's a waste of money? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about two uh, two other things: abductions and uh, crop circles. Well, you know, ooh. I was I was interested in crop circles back in the '90s. Um, you were. So what happened? Well, there was so much contention about whether they're faked or not, and it was just really difficult to. We don't have that many around here. You know, everything was over in England. You know, right. over yeah. in uh, was it Westminster or whatever it was. It's and, near the um, Stonehenge and right. some of the you know the historical great. And my favorite investigator of the time, his, his name is kind of... Uh, Colin Firth? Colin, Collins, Collins. Collins, yeah. Collins. Colin Firth is an actor, sorry. Colin Firth is an actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mean George Clooney. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Collins, I can't remember his first name at the moment, but what was, was interesting that he found, he said that, look, when you have a real crop circle, the grass is laid over gently and the node has been altered so that the, the, the genetic structure of the plant is now growing in a different direction. So the nodes were not damaged, but they were altered. And when they're altered and they continue to continue the counterclockwise growth to him and his research and the radiation levels that were measured and all the, you know, the culmination of all the evidence comes together into a, a, a basically you summarize that this is a real thing. But then it got really intricate. You started seeing these huge floral patterns and geo geodesic shapes and things like this, and it became really difficult to determine yeah. anymore. If the evidence isn't fully there, then you got to call it a fake. If you don't have radiation, if you don't have bent over nodes, you know things. We have like a this. friend that calls it crap circles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> crap circles. <laughs> yeah, that's what he calls them. He calls them crap circles. He doesn't believe that any of them are real. See, here's the thing. If if, but if I think some of them are. If there's a civilization visiting us, why would they write in our weed fields? I mean, that's exactly. a distraction. That could be a disinformation ploy to right. pull us off the track. That's what I'm thinking. Just yeah. you know, I say oh. about to the stars academy. Ooh, you know, okay, they, okay, we, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Some of the more, if To the Stars Academy is getting pressed, then why not send them things that aren't quite real? And that way, when they present it as real, we can come back later and go, no, that yeah. was fake. Right. Other right. things like talk bad about their family, you right. know, yeah. fault it, do something about the kids. Well, the UFO like videos they released didn't come from the Pentagon. One came from a deformed back channel release, and, the, and both of them were available. One was available in 2007 on the Internet, and one was available in 2004, but they were released in 2017 as if they were new. Mm -hmm. And these were known to exist. And the thing is, they're infrared, 
with almost no one has clouds above it but the biggest mistake they made when they released those videos was they had the audio for the wrong video they were right, showing right and they right. and the guy's talking about a fleet and you're looking at a tic-tac shape yeah. and you're like what fleet and you know right. and and the thing is if you have this important release how can you mix up and have two wrong audios from two wrong right. videotapes that's just to me it's like uh okay this was thrown out there these guys are going to release it and then we can show how silly they are so when you look at it, man, like um, the way I see it, crop circles, I'm, I'm kind of with you because I'm, I'm like, oh, too much of it can be faked. Mm -hmm. That's it. That, so I mean, terrestrial. So much, that's the, yeah. the challenge it's, today. With, a lot more. With, uh, a nice pair of hands. It's <laughs> terrestrial. Like, I, see it, you know, I see it as a human thing anyway. <laughs> right. We could do like, it. We could do it. A human thing in, like in, in behavior wise. Right. It's like we go somewhere. We want somebody to know we were there. Graffiti. We, we tag it. Yeah, graffiti. Exactly. Yeah. We tag it. So like the... <laughs> <laughs> like, was here. I feel like it's like a, a thing that we kind of made up, but still, nonetheless, could be real. Right. I mean, because mm -hmm. I mean, back then when crop circles were were discovered, it was before like the 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 tagging era, before the right. you know, when to put your initials on something era. So I mean, that's one thing. And then, um, but then again, you have the other side where crop circles could be signs, languages, symbols. Um, I.e., I mean, right. we can take it back. I, I reference movies a lot because I look at a right. lot of alien stuff, man. A lot of That's UFO cool. stuff. Signs. So, uh, Arrival. I hated, I hated Arrival. Arrival was great. We spoke Arrival at that great. premiere, too. I feel like if we, if mm. it was something that needed to be transcribed, <laughs> we have somebody that could. I mean, we always have new growing technologies, new findings, new everything. We and have like, people that can do stuff like that. Well, you know, right. you know what's interesting is when SETI was really getting strong, and this is in Howard Bloom's book out there when he found that there was a UFO working group inside the government in the 80s. But when SETI got started, they said, okay, if we find extraterrestrial life, the best astrophysicist will announce this to the world. And the CIA got a hold of that and said, no, you that won't. ain't going to happen. No, you won't. We're changing yeah, the whole exactly. chain exactly. of command. And that's when they started funding them. And they pulled the funding and they gave the funding back. But the bottom line was if they found anything, it had to run through the intelligence agencies. So let me ask this. I know Max said it earlier, but I want to make it. I wanna, let me be clear, Obama voice. If you came across an alien or you saw something or you saw a spacecraft fly above you, thousand feet in the air, would you say it right now? Would you say in the future? Oh, if I saw something myself? Yes. Then, oh, yeah, I would, I'd say something and I saw it. But if, if something landed in my backyard and I'm communicating and I'm able to take a ride in that, in that, in that craft mm -hmm. um, and I was told to keep my mouth shut, you can better believe I'll keep my mouth shut. Y yeah, I, I respect that 100%. 100%. <laughs> but, but yeah, I've, Ricky has a story, though. Like, uh, can, you, can you tell it here? Do I have a story? Y you have a story. You what story is this? Give me the year and the time. <laughs> so, um, I'm a I'm a prior enlisted um, individual in the United States. I'm gonna take so. a piss real soon. No, yeah, hold it. Don't break the seal. Got orange juice. Don't break the fucking seal. You just you hold it. I'm at a the host, man. Hey, you you're also a host too. You can run this thing yourself. I'm gonna take a I piss can. real quick. I can, but um, you need to be here for the story. So, um, with, with Ricky. Uh, I used to be an aviation resource manager, so I. You I all served together. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, were in uh, yeah, we, we were in Oklahoma together. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's a flyer, so his whole thing. Um, he got to fly on, you know, the um the AWACS plane. Um, you don't see anything on AWACS. You don't see anything on AWACS. It's all radar. Correct. Yeah, right. he's changed his crew position now, and I'm I'm almost I want to say. 
I'm li- I'm kind of getting signs from. I'm trying to get signs from him right now. I know you're trying to go at. And I know you want me to go at. You want me to go there? So you saw something. The, the AOX picked up something. It's not the, the AOX. No, 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 no. Oh, 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 We're saying something totally different right now. I'm going to clear that up. Go ahead. Uh, me, Ricky Lewis on AOX, the platform. So absolutely nothing. All right. Mm-hmm. Just want to put that out there for the cameras. Mm-hmm. Now, I was deployed once upon a time on a certain aircraft. And looking through a camera. Actually, no, let me take it back. So we're flying out there about 18, 19,000 feet. And the pilots on radar, they're like, hey, something just flew past us. They call, and radar's like, well, we don't see anything out there. We have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, yeah, something just flew right past us. They're like, well, we said nothing else out there in your area to fly right past you, so we have no idea. That is a definition of a UFO. All right. With that being said, I have no idea. Mm. I have a window. I didn't see anything light up crazy. The jet didn't turn any source away. I don't know. But if you were to look up UFOs and, oh, I'm sorry, UFOs in Afghanistan, who knows you may find. Like you said, same thing with uh, Japan. I'm about to A lot of bombs dropping over there. I'm going to put them in the hot seat. Oh, second, don't put me in hot seats yet. <laughs> a lot of bombs are dropping over there. A lot of crazy shit's happening. War, you know. With you know bombs, you know bombs are you know protons, neutrons, electrons, electrons shooting out. Maybe not the same thing as uh, that happened with uh, in the New Mexico area, but with that being said, it may attract attention. Right. As we're talking about being consistent here. Right. And who knows? Who knows what I saw out there? So or not who was what I saw, but who knows who was out there next to our aircraft because it was pretty close. You heard of Foo Fighters, same. right? I'm sorry. You heard of Foo Fighters, right? Yes. The band. Well, no, well, no, the no, band no, got no. their name from, <laughs> the, from the actual <laughs> thing, right? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Get this guy. Uh, so they called them during the war. They called them Foo Fighters because the Japanese zeros. They didn't know what else to call them. You know, there was these these balls of light Foo flying means, around. Foo means fire in Japanese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they. Oh, did. okay, okay. Yep. Firefighters. Right. So so they saw fire these fire. balls of light flying around. They thought, well, these are Foo Fighters. It's technology of the Japanese Army, you know, or Air mm. Force or what have you. Mm. And so that's where the, the band got its name. Well, they were from. also metallic spheres, but. But your case sounds like <laughs> there, there are uh, times when, and I've seen video that's very compelling, where somebody flies so fast by somebody they they get a glimmer of it. And this happened. It, and I'm gonna interrupt you, but a lot of pro- like I'll be uh, we'll be up there for hours, just talking. So mm-hmm. I'll talk to my pilots like, hey, these guys have been in like same thing you said. Guys have been in 15, 20 years. I'm like, look, straight up, I gotta ask you a question. Have you ever seen anything? UFO like out there. Oh hell yeah! And, and, they, and every single <laughs> pilot has a fucking story. Yeah, they all have a fucking story. They're the witnesses. I yeah. can sense. I can sense where Ben's going right now. He's about to tell you about time compression. I know it. I can feel it. But well, You're yeah, going with time well, compression. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it leads to here's an example. We have He's somebody that I won't mention that He's has footage of a craft. This this part is hot. You got to. I want to hear. And then this, we'll take a hot piss. And this footage, there's an object 20 miles away, and he's filming it. 400 frames per second. And in one 16 frame... 16 millimeter. 16 millimeter. In one frame, a sh- an object comes all the way up to the side of the airplane. He's going 400 miles an hour and appears in his uh, frame of his camera. And what did you see in that one frame? How many things were in that one frame? And the next frame is gone. So when they analyzed the frame, 
that object was moving at uh, 8% of the speed of light in the atmosphere. And in that frame was an, a creature inside of a uh, ice cream cone shaped object that looked startled to it see somebody like filming him from an airplane. Post, like say, ice cream shaped like, like, like a like yeah, the, it was a look. cone with a dome over it. Right. So there's a cone at the bottom where the, where the feet are, right? And you got the disc shape here, and there's a dome right here. And then imagine you like, like the Egyptian hieroglyphic. No, like an ice cream cone. Like an ice cream. It's conical. Like it's a conical and, shape. And imagine Ooh. Yoda in there with his hands on two different sets of controls looking startled right. that there was a dude standing in the window filming him the whole eyes time. are bugging out like he's like whoa and this Wh only appeared in one frame it's, it's, it's in a film that we haven't been able to make we haven't released yet. it yeah you, you haven't released it or you're not just going to release it we don't it? have we, access we don't have to access to it. we don't have permission to release it yet right. we don't have access to release it yeah. god fucking you know if you release that I feel like that this is what I said beginning the show I get followed home. I would make everything else yeah. look like. Oh, my, my, home. Yeah, I get followed home. You, my kids are being, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You straight away from the question. <laughs> it's Ricky. all. Asked I know your kids go to school that. About what you saw. Yeah. Hey. It's all a matter of time. I'm going to look the camera in the eyes, man. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Making a bold stand say on Blacks and uh -oh. yeah. Camera. <laughs> Over there. Go ahead, right Mike. There. Go and get a mic. Ricky Williams. Lewis. Middle name. Oh, he changed the topic up completely. I'm not changing the topic up. This guy has seen shit, and he's not wanting to put it on camera, but he wants to be followed. So, um, he wants, did you say he wants to be followed? He wants to be followed. So DM him. DM him. This is one of those reasons why this podcast got started up, because he wanted people to see what we talk about when we were in the garage. Just you talking about what I actually saw, saw. Yeah, what you saw, saw. But I'm not going to make him do it here. I'm going to put my hat back on. Ash Ketchum style. Maybe Ricky needs some emails. Send this man emails because he knows. <laughs> hey, hey, blacksandyak at gmail.com. Send him emails. Respond back to the he show. Knows. He knows what's going on. And then, on the same sense, we were already on the, on, right, we were on the topic for a minute. Okay, so we only abductions. got. Yeah, we only got five minutes left, so real quick. Abductions. Tell me you know. Tell me you think. Tell me you know. Barney and Betty. Well, we know, we know Kathleen Martin, and she was related to uh, Betty and Barney. She's a cousin. And, you know, after reading her book, I highly recommend it because she's got a lot of new information that really expounds on the original book that was written okay. uh, by Betty and Barney Hill. And mm -hmm. then in Entire Encounter, at first I was leery about it, but then after uh, reading Kathleen's book and speaking with her, we recently did a cruise with her where we were speaking on... You did uh, a cruise with her? Yeah, yeah we were yeah. with Cozumel and... Uh, hey, that's like I said, you gotta invite me to some of these events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black yeah, I, I gotta show up. <laughs> hey, man, just check our website. Check our website. Link to our website, yeah. MufonVA.com. We got a newsletter, which we're kind of behind on. <laughs> hey, <laughs> update it. We'll be out there. <laughs> but anywho, nice. uh, so I believe it's an event that really took place. Basically, Betty and Barney Hill, they were traveling home from uh, a weekend trip, and they mm -hmm. encountered this UFO that took them aboard and, you know, educated them a little bit. They prodded them a little bit, took, took some skin samples from them. They didn't know what happened. They had missing time. All, all the bells and whistles that come with an abduction event took place. On top of that, her hood of her car was magnetized, which was amazing. So she had a tangible uh, magnetic anomaly on her vehicle. That was the trunk. Uh, the hood, the front hood where the emblem the is. And the funny, th funny thing about that story, I mean, not story, but like that happening, is the fact that um, they had a psychiatrist or um, a therapist. Springle. Yeah, Leo Springle. She took... The, the liberty to separate both of them and have them both tell their stories right. same story and, yeah. and hypnotize like them police interrogation yeah, tactics it, you know but not but wouldn't let them get it all the way out you right. heard right now huh? yeah 
and same yeah, uh, got don't worry the dress, about me i'm a professional the but evidence you, on the dress too but you know what's interesting too about the whole case that interracial relationships at that time were really frowned upon so for yeah, why would they draw attention for, to, to bring them? Yes, that's right. what I want to bring up too. Interracial inter- 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 relationships. Right. Yeah, that's you, one of the yeah, most important aspects yeah. of this case that, that people that are that are denouncing the that everything to lose and nothing to gain by telling right. the story they had nothing unless to it lose. actually happened. Because right. it was in '72, and he wanted to bring a lot of information or right. you know, attention to uh, not some information, but attention to himself. Right. So uh, and that great movie with uh, James, James Earl, Earl Jones, Jones yeah. was. I mean, I watched that. And I'm like, wow! I got to find he out. What movie is this? What movie is this? Uh, Interrupted Journey, which is, is, based is this on about the book. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Earl Jones was great. It's yeah. Interrupted Journey and for all yeah, the, yeah. for all y'all okay. who are Star check Star Wars fans. Excellent we're movie. talking about Darth Vader. He plays. Barney. <laughs> if you don't know who James Earl Jones is, he's Darth Vader. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Vader right. had a, Vader had a career before Star Wars. Dude, we could talk about this thing for like another five hours. Yeah, we, oh, we haven't even that. touched on about a myriad of other topics. So. You know what though? You know what though? I want y'all to come back. Definitely, because there's a lot come back more. Come after we go to Socorro and yeah, we'll, we'll action, give you guys another I'm information yeah, yeah, before great. you leave, so we, I can still keep in contact about, with you guys. Yeah. Because I'm a I'm a I'm a firm believer. Yeah, I definitely. tell my wife all the time. I'm she's like, why are you up here researching this shit at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I'm like, huh? She go to sleep unless you go and turn over and give me some of that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we also have monthly like, meetings. If y'all ever want to come by, uh, they're on our website. See, oh, monthly speaking meetings. Of, yeah. we, do you want to speak on camera or do you want to just let afterwards? Oh, this no school. Hey, Anybody's it, welcome to come out. Check, the camera. check out uh, MUFON. That's M U F O N V as in Virginia A dot com. We have a newsletter. We have meetings every month. Anybody's Articles welcome to come out. Articles that we've charge. Yeah, we discuss every topic that's going on right now. So we've discussed to the stars and real versus fake UFOs and almost all the topics we've talked about today. Um, but it's an ongoing thing. So you know, this is the greatest mystery of all time. Great. And we're Blacks and Yak. And I got to take a piss. Mac, make it happen. <laughs> All right. So um, nice. we've reached that segment where we have to wrap the whole session up. I like to thank our, um, our, our guests to come in. Uh, that They came in. I appreciate you guys coming in, shedding some insight. A lot of questions that we asked that weren't even part of the, um, the script. It was just, you know, you guys just letting us know. We, we are sincerely thank, thankful for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a great uh, time. I look forward to speaking with both of you guys you know in, in future terms not even for just the podcast just just uh just to sure. familiarize myself and, and, and scratch the curiosity that killed the cat yeah you know what I'm saying? It's eventually it's gonna get me killed you know <laughs> like it, it, it does not go in turn this podcast is going to be the, the death of we all, all of have us, our so. concealed carry permits <laughs> Here in D.C., <laughs> it's kind of hard to get that shit, man. Yeah, we don't right. have... Tell you the truth, like, you can't just be running around carrying, man. Like, you, you can't, can't have your carrying right. license, yeah. but Virginia, you can't get that yeah. shit. Yeah. Virginia is different, so, yeah. We uh, we we go shooting and stuff. It's kind of weird. Know. We can carry guns, but we can't carry weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can carry weed in D.C., but not in Virginia. Yeah. But you can carry guns in Virginia. Yeah, not weed. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, back, <laughs> it's fucked backwards. So you, you pick if you're a lover or you're a, you're a killer over there, man. So and with that being said... Um, I'd like to give a great shout out to to our gentlemen who came out here, took their time out to come to D.C. to tell us about everything, you know, <laughs> what they know, not even everything, what they know, because I think we only just scratched the surface of it. Um, uh, did you get gentlemen have any of the last thoughts? Watch the skies. You know, I was going to say um, in the daytime, might, <laughs> they might want to check out our boy Wilbur Allen here in D.C. Yeah, Wilbur Allen is a. Uh, 
photographer with some really right high. By the White end. House, he worked for uh, the Clinton administration. Yeah, well, you can find Wilbur on YouTube. He has a lot UFO of videos. UFODC.com, I believe. It yeah, is. he films the same spot over Washington D.C. every single night and has been capturing anomalies for a while. Um, so he's our our guy in D.C. and uh, you know, visit our website. Look at MUFON VA. You can become a field investigator also, which is interesting. So. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm doing that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we need them in D.C. especially. So, uh, yeah, it's a great topic. We love talking about it because it's really, it leads to everything. Why are we here? Where are we from? Does another civilization have a religion? How do they survive their atomic age? There's so much to know and learn. It's just no limit. So if you guys are interested, go and look up MUFON. Google it. It'll take you straight to the site. Um, we'd like to thank them. We'd like to thank our... Um, our, our our cast, our our host, who helped us to, to film this and bring this to you guys, the 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 <laughs> intriguing fe- features that um allowed us to bring this um, podcast to you guys, and you know, at the end of the day, this is Blacks and Yak. If you have any kind of suggestions, let us know. Shoot us an email, and y'all have a wonderful night. Happy Friday. Nah, Thanks. fuck all that. Oh, you wrapped this shit up yet? He's done pissing. I took like a five minute piss. You ain't wrapped this shit up yet? Yeah, he comes in and he goes, bring it back. Yeah, wash my hands? Yeah, wash my hands. No, you didn't. You sure? Let me touch you. Hey, don't touch me, dog. Ricky's down for another hour. Hey, Mufon. You're going to say the same thing I did. Ben Tony. Hey, thanks. Hold a second. Thank you very much for coming out today. Mac, where were you at the first two shows? Incognito. Don't even answer. You can answer off camera. Abducted. Hey, hey, Mike. Abducted. One love, massive. We appreciate everybody out there watching. If you have any questions, uh, just get in the comment box, description, time stamps, all be below. Nothing but love for y'all. Peace, posi- uh, peace, positivity, and once again, love. That's it, Mike. Go and cue that music.